Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free, so enjoy those. Again, freetalklive.com. And the main feature actually allows you to control the content of the site. So the different items you see on our main page, the main column there, all created by listeners like you. As you are surfing around the web, you find something on there that's very interesting. You think you want to share it with our listeners. You submit it as show prep to the freetalklive.com website. And then other listeners will vote as to whether they like or dislike your suggestion. You get to vote on things as well. And the most voted up will make it to the front page in the top of the site, meaning we're more likely to see it and talk about it. And, of course, our other listeners are more likely to see it as well. And uh, put it to good use. So go and uh, get interactive over at freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Meg. And Mark. All right. So uh, much to discuss here. Of course, we will take your calls about absolutely anything. Up, uh, coming up, news, an update on the border searches regarding your laptop computer, maybe your smartphone as well. Maybe you've heard the news that uh, they've been searching them. Well, a court has made a decision about this, and uh, we'll let you guess at what that decision might possibly be. Uh, but first, Mark, you've got something you wanted to share. Yeah, I think this one's uh, this is great. It's from Psychology Today, and it's the seven sins of our system of forced education. Now, right. uh, you know, when this, I'm going to give preface this article real quickly with this guy. You know, obviously, isn't a libertarian. His uh, some of his thoughts on politics uh, that he interjects just very briefly in here. But he still realizes it's forced. Yeah, yeah. Like he gets he gets that. And so let me uh, go on here. He obviously he received a great deal of critique for one of his uh, previous um, articles. For many students, school generates intense anxiety associated with learning. Students who are just learning to read and are a little slower than the rest feel anxious about reading in front of others. Tests generate anxiety in almost everyone who takes them seriously. I remember, sorry to interrupt, but I remember the the, the speeches or the presentations that uh, we oh, had to do in elementary yeah. school, and there was nothing more terrifying to me than getting up in front of a class and giving some speech on whatever the assigned topic was, because you never got to pick uh, what the topic was. They would always assign you with something. And then I remember just being so terrified at that. And then when I'd actually get up to do the speech, the, you know, adrenaline was pumping. I was shaking, like violently shaking. And it was just horrible. I know. I mean, take a bad situation. Like a lot of kids, especially since they haven't had practice with it, aren't comfortable with, you know, standing up in a group of peers and giving a speech or whatever. And then add on top of that, I was the fat kid, you know, (laughs) nobody wants to be the fat kid. And then you have to stand up in front of everybody, fat awkwardness and give a speech Mm. and you're shaking and that makes you more nervous. And you're just like, I don't even care about the grade anymore. I just want this to be over. (laughs) If I thought that I could have broken my leg or something intentionally without much pain, I would have done that rather than having to, uh, to, to give the speech. I felt exactly the same way. As I recall now, sort of thinking back on it, everybody who went up there was petrified and no one cared about it. Whether or not you were, you know, no one was sitting there entertained by the speeches. No one was paying attention. They were doodling, you know, like so each one of them had their own private uh, Nuremberg going on. Maybe that's true, Mark, but I don't know if I if I agree with you uh, because some of them were good at it. You know, some of those kids would get up there and they were more entertaining. They would do a great job. Like the nerds who just did not care what people thought about them. They were informative and entertaining because they didn't care. So. 
they I were the good ones. <laughs> that wasn't my experience. And there was no way that uh, people were not paying attention because, I mean, I was literally at one point, I remember in fifth grade, I think I was I was trying to hold on to the podium <laughs> to steady myself. <laughs> and I ended up like shaking, shaking the, podium. the podium. I was so nervous. Well, we need bobbleheads on that when that goes on. Yeah. Do something strange, I suppose. You might get a titter out of the audience. Uh. As it, uh, you know, but I don't really have a solution as to how to handle speaking in public other than speaking in public. Do I think, I don't know. I mean, is it a good idea that uh, every kid has to speak in front of every other kid that had to speak in fifth grade? I don't know. Of school sins? That doesn't seem like the worst one. Well, that's where homeschooling comes in good, because giving a speech to your dogs and cats isn't that bad. Couldn't hurt. <laughs> Going on with the article here, um, and the, uh, the author's name, if I didn't mention it previously, is uh, Peter Gray. Threats, threats of failure and the shame associated with failure generate enormous anxiety in some. I found in my college teaching of statistics that a high percentage of students, even at my rather elite university, suffer from math anxiety, apparently because of the humiliation that they've experienced pertaining to math in school. A fundamental psychological principle is that anxiety inhibits learning. Learning occurs best in a playful state, and anxiety... Mm-hmm inhibits playfulness the forced nature of schooling turns learning into work teachers even call it work you must do your work before you can play Mm, great point so Mm -hmm. learning which children biologically crave becomes toil something to be avoided whenever possible yep Mm -hmm. whoever wanted to do homework i mean maybe there was a handful of people i went from straight a student to like straight c d just because i did not want to do the homework it was Mm. repetition and boring and (laughs) Who cares? Yeah. Um, so the, the the gentleman goes on here. In my last post, I uh, took a step that, I must admit, made me feel uncomfortable. Actually, um, I, I have to, to track back here just uh, real quick on something important he said. In my last post, I took a step that, I must admit, made me feel uncomfortable. I said several times, school is prison. Mm. I felt uncomfortable saying that because... Uh, school is so much a part of my life and the lives of everyone I know. And this is a college He's professor. A teacher, yeah. yeah. I, like most people, um, went through the full 12 years of public schooling. My mother taught a public school for 12 years. My beloved half-sister is a public school teacher. I have many dear friends and cousins who are public school teachers. And how can I say that these good people who love children and have poured themselves passionately into the task of trying to help children are involved in a system of imprisoning children? The comments on my last post showed that my references to school as prison made some other people very uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. It's hard to admit the truth. Sometimes I find no matter how uncomfortable it makes me and others feel, I have to speak the truth. Absolutely. I mean, cognitive dissonance is going to really put people in, a, in that difficult mm-hmm. place. They don't want to uh, come to grips with what is reality. We can call all the euphemisms we want, but the literal truth is that schools, as they generally exist in the United States and other modern countries, are prisons. Human beings within a certain age range, most commonly from 6 to 16, are required by law to spend a good portion of their time there. And while there, they are told what they must do and others are and orders are generally enforced. They have no or very little voice in forming the rules that they must follow. A prison, according to the common general definition, is any place of involuntary confinement and restriction of liberty. Now, you might argue that schools as we know them are good or necessary. But you can't argue that they're not prisons. 
Haven't some people said that about prison, like that they're better people because they were uh, in prison for so for so many years? I'm sure many people say that. I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I think I learned things from my time in prison. I that doesn't mean so. It was yeah. good. It was, it's great. Yeah, if you were on the outside, you'd learn things on the outside. And hard, that would be good. So. Hard to say, right? Like, how yeah. can you compare? How can you say, yeah. well, you know, I'm a better person today because I went to prison? Because you can't say what kind of person I would have been if I had not right. gone. To argue the latter would be to argue that we do not, in fact, have a system of compulsory education. Either that or it would be a, a, a semantic argument in which you could claim that prison actually means something different from its common general definition. I think it's important in any serious discussion to use words honestly. Sometimes people use the word prison in a metaphorical sense to refer to any situation in which they must follow rules or do things that are unpleasant. In that spirit, some adults might refer to their own workplace as a prison, or even their marriage as a prison. But they chose those things. Yeah. But that's not literal, a literal use of the term, because those examples involve voluntary, not involuntary, restraint. It is against the law in this and other democratic countries to force someone to work at a job where the person doesn't want to work, or to marry someone that he or she doesn't want to marry. It is not against the law, however, to force a child to go to school. In fact, it is against... Excuse me, the law not to force a child to go to school if you are the parent and the child does not want to go. Yes, I know some parents have the wherewithal to find alternative schooling and provide homeschooling that is acceptable to both child and the state. But it's not the norm in today's society and the laws in many states and countries work strongly against such alternatives. So while jobs and marriages might in some sad cases feel like prisons, schools generally are. Let's come back with more at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Liking it so far is uh, spot on. 1-800-259-9231. Your educational uh, experiences. Certainly welcome to share those as well. You can also bring up anything. This is free talk. I've started playing a new online game. It's called Mine Things. It's a free online mining game created by a free stater. It's all in your browser. There's nothing weird to download. Your little mining robot guy can mine for you 24-7. You don't even need to be logged in. You compete with other players for resources in a capitalist economy. The virtually mined gold demonstrates the concept of sound money and is exchanged between players tax-free. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MineThings.com and start mining today. It's free. MineThings.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on our site for free. So enjoy those uh, features, by the way, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're yours right there on the front page of the website. Go to freetalklive.com, and you can download the last week's worth on the front page and then click into the archive section to go all the way back to late 2006. All of that is free over at freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by SACL CAI. If you've got a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, you need to know about SACL CAI. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients too. SACL CAI. See their banner right at the top of our banner column at freetalklive.com. 
Now, we're talking about the uh, so-called seven sins of the forced education system. The author, uh, Psychology Today, Mark, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, uh, the but- author over at Psychology Today is uh, suggesting, he is uh, saying that school, government school, is prison. And I think he's made a compelling case for it. And I want to come back to this uh, discussion here in a moment. But on the point about prison, we actually have Jason Talley with us from the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org. And uh, Jason, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Now, we were together again uh, today, Jason, as uh, some of us here from Keene, New Hampshire, traveled uh, the two-hour drive up to Grafton County Superior Court uh, where, again, we attended the second day of trial for Bob Constantine, also known as Claus, who is facing three to seven years in prison for allegedly growing some marijuana plants in and around his home. And uh, we talked in, to a, a great extent about this uh, trial yesterday. There's, I don't think, quite as much to cover today because the, the state agents didn't didn't engage in as many shenanigans today as they did yesterday, like trying to prevent uh, all electronics from coming into the courtroom. Shenanigans uh, makes it sound so light and playful. Well, it was ludicrous what yeah. they were doing. Uh, and then also having these you know, these undercover cops that they were just taking all kind of extreme measures in order to protect their identities. Uh, it was just absolutely silly. There's still video to come that, of course, will be posted over at cdevolution.org and freekeen.com. Uh, but so we were there again today. And uh, what are your reflections on what happened today? Well, I mean, there was um, some pretty major shenanigans in regards to the prosecutor's closing statements to the jury. Oh, Um, yeah. Definitely wanted to talk about that. So um, both um, Bob Constantine and uh, Melissa Pierce, the the woman who was uh, responsible for prosecuting Bob on behalf of the state, they made their closing remarks, and the jury was able to deliberate for about an hour and a half before it turned uh, to 4 o'clock, and uh, everybody was dismissed. So, um, you know, at least they didn't come up with a uh, snap verdict, you know, uh, declaring Bob guilty, and, you know, they're going to have to reconvene at 9 a.m. tomorrow to, uh, you know, get together and uh, try to decide, uh, you know, what uh, Bob's fate is going to be. But uh, the prosecutor actually uh, called uh, the activists uh, bullies. Yeah. Um, she said we were intimidating. Trying to, yeah, exactly. Trying to smear all the great support that Bob has received from all over the Shire. And it's, I mean, you'll see this in the video that I've been taking and others have been uh, taking in, in the reports. But, I mean, I'm, I'm just so, the reason I moved here was so I could be surrounded by peaceful people. This is a, as opposed to the state of New Hampshire, which is actually trying to cage Bob. I mean, <laughs> and they're calling us bullies. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, it was right. so... It seems like the obvious response to that is who's carrying the guns. Yeah, I, we yeah. had the same thing when we went to um, a trial in, I believe it was Nashua, and there was, a, when the bailiff was standing in front of your camera and all the other cameras, <laughs> and I just went up to him afterwards, and I was like, you know, you're being really rude. And yep. he just went on, he's like, no, I think you guys are rude. And I was like, I was just sitting there. Yep. And then he tries to right. smack me in the face, and oh, he was just horrible. You've got to say things bad. to these. Yeah, you've got to say stuff to these people to let them know that it's uh, you don't appreciate what, the, what they're doing. And uh, this lady, this prosecutor... Uh, she essentially, and by the way, you say you would respond in a certain way, but you couldn't because she was doing her closing statement, and Bob had already done his closing statement, so yeah, well, hers was essentially the final statement. Everything you learn from TV says that the defendant gets to go last, yeah. so that his message is the last one on. Really? What? I, where? Where does this come from? I I don't know. It's uh, maybe it's just a myth, or maybe it doesn't work that way in New Hampshire. Maybe it does in some other places. 
I was wondering the same thing. You would think there'd be a coin toss or something. Bob's statement was great, though, by the way. Uh, His was fantastic, very persuasive. He talked about how it was very important. He kind of brought his message home because when he did his opening statement, he touched on the fact that they are the, uh, you know, they're the conscience of the community. And he encouraged them in his closing statement to use their conscience and that they couldn't be punished if they said not guilty. There was, they couldn't be forced to explain why they said not guilty and Mm -hmm. that there was no punishment for them for saying not guilty and that they should follow their conscience. And of course, you've got video footage of this entire thing, Jason, and so it'll be obviously my uh, recollection of it is not going to even be a pale shadow of what he actually said. But then this this lady uh, prosecutor follows it up with this idea that while you are actually here to represent the community of 80,000 people in Grafton County, not a few people waving to the audience of approximately 20 uh, or so uh, liberty activists. Right. She's never seen an audience that big in a courtroom before, probably. Mm-hmm. Right. and She's horrified by what she sees. People participating in the judicial system? Not only that, but I think, Tally, didn't you tell me that this was her first pot trial ever? Uh, I didn't say that. I'm, I'm not... I'm not sure about that, but I mean, it might have been Bob Constantine then who told who told me that today. Somebody who who know who seemed to have known this. Uh, this was the first time she's ever actually taken pot to trial because everybody takes a plea bargain. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right, and mm-hmm. uh, that's why it was great to see you know so many allies from Keene and all over the Shire show up and give Bob the support because he refused to take the plea deal. He's not going to tell the state that he did something wrong because he hasn't. He's a peaceful person, and uh, we all had his back today, and it was. It was great to see, but just back to the whole bullying comment, uh, you know, it was great to see, like, um, Pete and, uh, and you, uh, Ian, were, like, uh, trying to talk to the prosecutor and, and ask your questions, and, you know, your voices were, were nice and soft and, and respectful, but uh, she just did not like being confronted with the fact that she's putting a, a good man behind bars, a peaceful person, and uh, she's probably responsible for many you know, people like that. that well, at one trying. point, she actually turned around because we were asking her questions to hopefully get her thinking about what she's doing to peaceful people. Um, and she have nothing else to throw off her game. Mm-hmm. Right. And so at, at one point, she turns around and accuses us of harassing her. <laughs> and I said, we're asking you questions. You can yeah, go what? home anytime you want, lady. Right. No what one's she, forcing you to do anything. What does she call her job? Like, that's harassment. Right. She just, you know, picks yeah. on people and then sticks them in cages. Clearly she's projecting, right? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, Bob really didn't want to be there, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, she's, uh, she's really harassing him. I mean, you know, he'd be thrown in a cage if he didn't show up that day. Absolutely. So. And Bob, by the way, is a, is a hero. I had a chance to sit down and, and talk to him after the, the trial wrapped up today and he kind of explained uh, to me what it was that his intentions were and you know, what he plans to do in the future. And he, he plans to continue on this activism path. Uh, he has not been dissuaded from being a liberty, liberty activist. He's just even more encouraged by the, the, the support that I think that, mm-hmm. that he's been shown throughout all this. Jason, can you stick with us to do some more recapping here? Yeah. Of the trial more with Jason Talley from the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund. I'll tell you a little bit more about Bob Constantine, also known as Weta Claus, and, and uh, what, he was, what he's been doing. The guy is a hero, and I'll explain why here in a little bit. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything you want. And... 
The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a bunch of stuff there, and we give it to you free. The webcam is one of those features. Go to cam.freetalklive.com to watch, to listen, and to interact. We've got other listeners in our chat room there. Uh, cam.freetalklive.com. It's brought to you by Memory Dealers. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. They offer the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, XFPs, GBIC, Zinpex, and X2s. They're all 100% compatible with all the major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off of list price. They even offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. In stock, ready to ship the overnight delivery. It's MemoryDealers.com. All right, we're continuing here. Uh, we're going to talk more about schools in a moment, but we still have Jason Talley with a special uh, guest from the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund. You can go to cdevolution.org. You can take a look at uh, the great content there on the website. And, uh, Jason, you've been doing a great job of following various different aspects of uh, folks who've been engaging in civil disobedience and non-cooperation as well. Uh, Bob Constantine, the individual who uh, we're talking about, his trial on growing 30-plus marijuana plants, he wasn't doing that for civil disobedience. So he's a non-cooperative. They they came after him. He wasn't expecting that. He was allegedly growing plants in and around his home and was just doing it for personal reasons, maybe even medical reasons as well, from what I understand. Um, but then they, you know, they came after him and my conversation with him today, and we've had him on the show before, and I think he expressed some of this, uh, but to just re- essentially recount uh, what it was that uh, that he told me is that he, you know, he really considered taking the plea deal. They I'm had, sure he did. They'd mm-hmm. offered him what what's seemed to be a pretty sweet plea deal. It may have ended up being as little as some community service, right? Uh, community service. But he still would have ended up with a, a felony conviction in that particular case, and mm-hmm. that doesn't exactly make life very easy, especially if you believe in oh, I don't know, self defense with firearms, for instance. Um, so that's one of the reasons. But also, he's a really liberty oriented dude, and he understands the idea that taking plea plea deals just essentially encourages the state. So he, after much consideration, decided that he was not going to take that plea deal and that he was going to take this felony um, marijuana manufacturing charge all the way to a jury trial. And that's what he's been doing for the past couple of days. And I just think the guy is a hero because, as was pointed out, this prosecutor has never once taken a marijuana case to a trial yeah that just speaks volumes about you know the system that they have built up it's they scare people so bad now that they scare them into submission to admitting guilt where they're not guilty of anything well in new hampshire they can scare people because marijuana is a quote schedule one drug now this is the the federal drug schedule and they lump uh, marijuana you know a plant that uh, grows from the ground 
uh, in the same category as you know cocaine and these uh, heroin, these harder drugs. And um, so they can push, they can threaten people with these stiff penalties unless they take the plea deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I tell you, it's like it's up to seven years in a cage um, and a hundred thousand dollar fine. I mean, so the odds are are a pretty big deal, but. Bob, how could you sign a plea deal and say that, yes, I've been a naughty boy and uh, I'll, I'll take this punishment? Uh, Bob just could not do it. He could right, not especially when you down. know you haven't harmed anybody. You haven't done anything wrong. All you've done is offended the peace and dignity of the state, as they say at the beginnings of, uh, of these trials. You know, the peace and dignity of the state just sickens me when they say that crap. Yep. The fact yep. is, I mean, you know, so how come Bob, who's pr- pretty much representing himself, can't go before the jury during his closing statements and say, hey, look, it's not like these people care very much about this. They were offering me community service in order mm. to get off this charge. But no, if you did that, the judge would, you know, you're in contempt or whatever. They've got all these rules about the things that you can't you can't say, say yeah. to defend yourself against imprisonment over their stupid rules. Yeah, it's like well, if he's so scary, why were they going to let him free, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, you're talking about peace and dignity of the court. Remember, Evan Pierce is still in a cage for uh, the simple act of wearing a hat and uh, right. you know, you, yeah. you, you can't uh, disrespect uh, the, the court in any way or, you know, they're going to show you the violence inherent in the system. Right, and, and I think Bob was telling me something about how, I guess, within the system, maybe maybe it's in the Constitution or the New Hampshire Constitution, where it basically says something to the extent of you'll be able to say whatever you want in your defense, and that's a bunch of nonsense. There are all kinds of things that you can't say. However, he was allowed to bring up jury nullification, which, again, this is the second time now that we've seen this happen. Jason, you covered the Nurse Patricia trial, a nice older lady that was growing over a 100 marijuana plants. She faced trial in the same courthouse, and she was also able to bring up jury nullification. It was actually her lawyer in that case that brought it up. Uh, So we've actually seen lawyers be able to do it. We've now seen uh, individuals doing it, and that's good news because in some places in this country, you won't be allowed to bring up jury nullification at all. Yeah, which just shows how arbitrary the system is. Yep. So this jury had uh, jury nullification outreach done to it a couple weeks prior to the trial. So they had been handed the uh, the FIJA, Fully Informed Jury Association, uh, brochures. So a lot of them had already gotten this information. And then it, it came up as an issue at the trial. And what was particularly outrageous in these closing statements was on one hand, you've got Bob Constantine who's saying, look, this is, this is your chance to, to, to vote your conscience. This is your chance to you know, essentially do the right thing and, and vote not guilty for me. And then this, this harpy uh, gets up and she starts trashing jury nullification by suggesting that by letting Bob Constantine off on these charges, that the jury would essentially be aligning itself with KKK members who let murderers off, uh, murderers of black people off in the South from uh, from decades ago. She actually totally brings that the same up. Thing. She actually, yeah, right. She brings that up and just links the two together as though they're one and the same. Right, and this is uh, again. She gave the final uh, closing statement. Bob went before her. And Bob uh, told the jury, and this is something that uh, I like to bring up as well, that, you know, when you talk to people that are in positions of authority, like law enforcement, you know, would you um, return a runaway slave because it was the law and, uh, you know, under the fugitive slave laws? Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, the, the guy that was recently elected to be the new police chief of Grafton, I have him on video saying that, yes, he would because it's the law. 
but uh, he, he brought it's amazing up. how these people can uh, to manage to keep these opinions uh, in line like how can they keep their psyches from cracking apart when they say stuff like this is it is it uh, does law enforcement attract those type of people perhaps i don't know but it's the scary thought yep. um but but then you have a, a man like bob constantine who today told the jury he's like i'm gonna tell you about my conscience if a runaway slave knocked on my door, I, I would harbor them, um, you know, and even though that would be in violation of the law. And even today, there's tons of laws on the books that should just be totally ignored by, um, you know, moral people. Absolutely. Uh, we well, there all... are laws that are ignored by police officers. I mean, oh, well. how often do you see them busting people for, you know, random little indiscretions that like looking up on Sundays when you pee? That's still against the law in New Hampshire. I don't know how they're going to catch you, but yeah. it's, it is true. But I'm sure the they've law. let it slide if they've been like standing in the urinal next to one of their buddies looking up or something. I, you know, uh, Bob actually brought that up yesterday. He asked uh, one of the law enforcers if um, he worked uh, or actually one of the law enforcers admitted that he worked on a Sunday during this investigation and uh, Bob told him that it was against the law um, and uh, cited exactly what law it was. And uh, the uh, it showed the cop wasn't uh, enforcing every law on the book. So, you know, why, why can't they use a discretion? Because drugs are scary. People, people alone. And then there was one point at which uh, that I alluded to earlier where uh, Pete and I were, when we were asking the prosecutor questions, one of the bailiffs or the security men came up and ordered us to sit down, said that, that the clerk has ordered us to sit down, and he was passing the word on, and that we need to sit down now or we're going to be thrown out. So because we didn't want to be thrown out, we slowly backed away and, and decided to go ahead and jump through that hoop. But I made some comment out loud at that point about, it's all about obedience, isn't it? Consider us a bunch of monkeys, and you put up hoops for us to jump through. Isn't that right? And he essentially acknowledged that, didn't he, Jason? Yes, that's right. I have a, actually a lot of this on video, your uh, your peace exchange with the prosecutor. And I thought you guys, uh, you know, were, were nice and calm, although we do have a right to be angry, I mean, you know, for what they're doing. But Absolutely. everybody, you know, kept a level head, um, and the, the prosecutor just, I don't know, I guess doesn't like the public to talk to her. More in moments. This is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Ovaltine. Give your kids the nutrition they need to be their best. Visit us at OvaltineUSA.com. Telling your child about healthy food choices is important, but showing her what to eat goes a lot further. Have her help create the grocery list, then bring her to the store with you. Picking out healthy foods together helps kids get in the habit of thinking about what they're eating every day. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash Your Family Today. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, once again, freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Meg. And Mark. Hey, if you like the show, you like the fact that we give you the website free, well, you can voluntarily support us by shopping with us through our affiliate links for Amazon, which you'll find at shop.freetalklive.com. So just go to shop.freetalklive.com, click in through the appropriate Amazon link, and then whatever you buy at Amazon, Free Talk Live gets a portion of it. So we get a chunk of Amazon's profits when you enter Amazon through our links at shop.freetalklive.com. That's shop. Dot freetalklive.com. Uh, back to Jason Talley here from the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org. 
We're wrapping up uh, what happened with Bob Constantine's trial today, also known as Weta Claus, uh, the heroic, liberty-loving New Hampshire native and activist who has decided to face a jury trial rather than cop a plea bargain on some marijuana growing charges. And the trial wrapped up today with uh, closing statements. The jury had approximately an hour and a half to deliberate, and they did not come to a conclusion today. Uh, So it will continue tomorrow morning uh and jason hopefully you will call us tomorrow night with the results of what has been happening because you've been busily blogging and updating folks over at cdevolution.org with the latest on the trial so if you want to know instantly uh what's happening that'll be the place to go of course we will talk about it i'm sure uh, tomorrow night in detail as far as what the jury decided to do uh can we count on you for that absolutely yes Fantastic. So what else uh, did you feel it was necessary to cover? I feel like we've kind of covered the main points from today, the outrageous prosecutor and, and her behavior and her attacks on the activists, calling them uh, bullies, saying they were there, that we, you and I and the other folks, these nice, peaceful people, loving, peaceful, caring people who were there because they care about Bob Constantine, uh, were intimidating the jury, that we were there for with an, in an attempt to bully them. Well, um so Bob and I, I, I like to go with Bob to the uh, the courthouse pretty much every time he's there for you know pretrial hearings or or whatnot, um, and I like to film everything uh, because he had to get transcripts one time and it costs him an absurd amount of money. So with me and my video camera there, we it's, it's instant transparency. Everything is on the record, and then I make videos out of them, like right. I'm importing video right now. Um, but uh, and so. They pr- they pretty much have the courthouse to themselves, you know. They they get to have their conferences in the like the lobby area, but uh, but I've started to uh, you know talk to these people, like the uh, the cop that took money from uh, Nurse Patricia Smith's purse. He's on the stand talking about you know how he seized all this money, including you know envelopes marked for like utility bills and uh, money actually from her purse. He can get away with this because I guess because he has a badge, but uh, whenever I'm around. Uh, and I see him, I will point my video camera at him, and we'll have conversations, and he usually walks away. So imagine that on a scale of, like, with 20 other people, you know, who are all questioning um, the, the cops that are around. I mean, you had Pete and Adam from Cop Walk that were there. It's a totally different environment. Mm-hmm. They're used to owning that place. And so maybe that's why they feel bullied, but, uh, you know, they, they just won't run into people who are standing up for the rights and advocating for the rights of others. Yep, the you poor, know? poor babies. Yeah. And and they need to realize that there's a difference between being bullied and just having people defend themselves against violence. Right. Peacefully. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I was, I was going to say during the commercial break, there's this great uh, ad that's run for the, uh, I believe, the Marijuana Policy Project, where the man talks about how his mother couldn't use uh, the marijuana that she needed medically, um, you know, because it was against the law. Well, you know, Bob, he's um, he's been a power lifter, and so he has arthritis in the hips. And he's, uh, you remember from the trial yesterday, um, one of our free Grafton neighbors uh, yelled, um, uh, free farmer Bob, and then just left. He just couldn't take it anymore, what the state was doing to his friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so Bob's a farmer. You know, he's trying to um, start a homestead, but it's been obviously way delayed because he's been preoccupied with uh, keeping himself out of a state of New Hampshire cage. Yeah, and probably but, hoping uh, that they don't steal his house from him as well. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so why shouldn't he be able to uh, grow his own medicine in a live-for-your-die state? I mean, I, I would like for somebody to answer that question. I mean, because they it, chose it, it, die. I don't know. 
And it'll be interesting to see what this jury chooses because they have been uh, outreached to about jury nullification. It was brought up during the trial. While they were on their breaks, we would go out uh, to my car. We'd get some some signs out, and other folks already had signs as well. Uh, John Cannell, one of the, uh, the, the activists from Grafton, had a big sign that said, Seven Years for Gardening. And uh, you know, that, that gives the jury the information about the possible sentence, which they will not receive in the courtroom. So it's very important some of these things that go on outside of the courtroom. We're, ha- we're standing there holding signs that say, no victim, no crime, you know, vote your conscience to get these messages into their eyes. I mean, there's yeah. no Bullies, doubt. Yeah. Right? Bullies. Yeah. It's crazy. A good idea to do might be like after the jury comes up with the verdict, have two-sided signs waiting for you that on one side, like, congratulate them for their good decisions and on the other side like you know boo you did a bad job or something i don't know you could do that but you can also just talk to them i mean (laughs) what we did after the jim johnson trial here Mm -hmm. in Keene was we went outside and just waited for them to come out Mm -hmm. and then asked every single one of them if they wanted to do an interview and luckily one of them was nice enough Mm -hmm. to uh, to grant us that interview and then he proceeded to explain uh his confusion regarding well everything surrounding the trial (laughs) and jury nullification and etc so and, and bob by the way is very realistic bob constantine very realistic on what his chances are he fully expects to be found guilty by these people if 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 it turns into a hung jury which would be nice i mean that'd be great for him because then the question is does this prosecutor really want to go through all of this again because she could if you get a hung jury you can Mm -hmm. they can bring the charges back around and try you again but does this lady really want to go through this again all of the questions she's had to deal with these activists yeah plus uh, when if they redid it again it'd probably take you know a month or two so you're looking at that happening around pork fest (laughs) that would be a bad idea exactly and and there's so much attention that's been paid to this uh, case that i'm sure we would have more activists come next time and uh I don't think they like the experience. I think uh, like they usually want you to be lawyered up, keep your head down, be mm-hmm. ashamed of yourself, um, and then you know take your plea deal. But uh, you know Bob Constantine is doing things a little bit differently this time. One of the things that I thought was really neat about this uh, is this is one of the things Bob and I were talking about afterwards is how he was able to connect with the jury because he was defending himself. Yes. Instead of having the lawyer, and he did have a lawyer on what they call standby counsel, so there was a lawyer there so he could consult with the lawyer if he wanted to, uh, but he, the lawyer wasn't presenting the case. It's so more there, the verbiage, like how do you present this or... Or if, whatever, you know, talk yeah. to him about possible objections or whatever they, that you need to consult him with. But Bob gets up. He's the one doing the opening statement. He's the one asking the questions. He's the one doing the closing statement, looking at the jurors, making eye contact with them, and talking to them from his heart. And I think that is uh, is a pretty big thing for it's people powerful. to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As as the guy taking the video, that's exactly what I wanted to happen because uh, Bob was elected the ambassador of Free Grafton for a reason. Uh, he's he's really good with people, um, and and I, I I see him connect all the time. I mean. I'm not just um, you know, trying to build him up when I say he's a great neighbor and a great friend to many people in this community. And, and I mean, that's you know, why we're getting the turnouts that we are in court. But um, so, yeah, just the fact that uh, they're trying to put this good man in a cage, uh, it, it has a lot of people taking notice about, uh, you know, what the state is trying to get away with. All right, well, we'll keep our listeners in the loop. And uh, Jason Talley, thank you again for, for calling in to check in with us. Of course, you are the managing director of the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund. And people can go to cdevolution.org to keep up to date with what's going on with the Bob Constantine trial. Again, jury deliberations continue tomorrow morning at 9. You're going to be there, Jason, with uh, updates, again, posted to cdevolution.org. 
And, of course, there are ways that you can get behind CD Evolution there, like becoming a financial uh, contributor to the organization. You don't have to be here in New Hampshire to help the activism out here in New Hampshire. And helping the CD Evolution Fund is a great way to do that, don't you think? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we have limited resources. We do what we can to support the uh, good people who disobey bad laws, but we'd like to do a lot more. Thanks, Jason. Guys, have any more questions for Jason? Nope, thanks, Jason. Appreciate you coming on tonight, man. And uh, I'm I'm sorry I can't make it up there tomorrow, um, but uh, I I appreciate you keeping us in the loop. Absolutely. Thanks, dude. Good night. Jason Talley from the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund. As uh, they're doing a great job, as, as again, like he said, limited funds available to cdevolution.org, still a relatively new organization, but doing a great job with what we have available to really bring as much attention to the individuals who are doing civil disobedience and non-cooperation and give them as much assistance as we possibly can. Yeah, you know, I really hope the best for Bob in this one. Um, as you said, he doesn't have any or Jason said he doesn't have any illusions that he's necessarily going to win. That's a big risk that he's taking. Mm-hmm. Um, Up to seven choos- years yeah, in prison. Choosing not to have taken the plea bargain, which could have been as low as uh, community service. I mm-hmm. mean, these people, they had no desire to throw this guy in jail. But now they absolutely will because he stood up to their system. Yeah, now yeah. that's their goal. Right. It's, so. it's, it's, not, it's not growing the plants, clearly, that's the problem here. It's, it's standing up and saying no. And he wants to encourage other people to say no. He wants people to see him as others have seen, like Lauren Canario in the past, and other activists that they've looked to and they've seen and they've been inspired by. He's hoping to be an inspiration for folks so they won't just take a plea bargain. So they'll stand up. And specifically so they'll come here to New Hampshire and join the fun. It's Free Talk Live Hour. Join United States Marine Iraq Veterans Against the War activist, former radio show host, and New Mexico's congressional candidate, Adam Kokesh, as he goes to Washington to take that hill. Kokesh takes his successful radio show to mainstream television on Russia Today. Adam vs. the Man premieres April the 11th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Adam Kokesh is the man who gives the millennial generation a voice. That's you. Get the information needed to be empowered with Semper Fi. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. we give you the features there completely free as we launch here into the second hour of the program. As always, you can take control bring up anything. 800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Meg. And Mark. Let's jump right into your phone calls about what you want. John is calling from Chile. Hello, John. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Ian, Meg, and Mark. How are you? What's on your mind tonight, John? Uh, I, I want to tell you about what we're, we're doing here in Chile, about cannabis activism. About what we activism? Have, uh, this cannabis, weed, pot. Oh, cannabis. Oh, cannabis. <laughs> yeah. Weed. Tell us about exactly. it. Exactly. We, we're organizing a march for May. We expect like uh, 12,000 people. Mm, and, nice. well, uh, as, as you always say on TikTok Live, that it's really hard to do activists outside of the Free State Project or New Hampshire. Uh, I'm, getting, uh, I'm having a lot of trouble in the organization, so I would like to have your advice. 
Well, I've never done anything that's. I mean, if you've got twelve thousand people saying they're coming, you are way ahead of anything we're doing. Uh, How did you manage to get twelve thousand people to RSVP for something? Uh, It's it's not so hard. We start in Facebook, but the issue is that the people that we have in Chile is not so compromised with the cows like like there. We have to to. 12,000 people on the street marching, smoking. But when we have some trial and some people is going to jail, there are two or three people mm. in the public. So I see what you're saying. Let me see if I can recap here because there is a bit of a language barrier. And so correct me if I've got anything wrong. You're saying it's no problem to get a 1,000 plus, 12,000 people to come out, march through the streets and smoke pot. But to actually have them show up at a courthouse to defend or to, to stand with somebody, to, to back somebody up, to give somebody moral support who has been arrested, uh, you're saying very, very few want to get involved in that. Exactly. That, that is my current issue on the cause in Chile. So if you can give a, a, your advice to us about it. Boy, that is a great uh, question. It seems like you've got a big uh, pool from which to uh, to draw there. It seems like a lot of people care about this issue, at least enough to come and march and smoke. You, um, have you tried talking one-on-one to them uh, at these marches and saying, hey, there's uh, you know, there's this trial going on in such and such a place at such and such a time. Can I count on you to be there? Or you could make the march end at one of these trials. Yeah, that's a good idea, too. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to try that uh, through Facebook. And the, the other question I have for you is, how, how can I get more in touch with uh, the Free State Project from here, like from e- using Internet, which uh, Twitters to follow, how, how, to, how we can get more in touch with you? Oh, well, I would, I mean, if you're talking about the Free State Project, you can just go to freestateproject.org, and there's a contact uh, page there. They also have a forum as well that uh, that might be of use. But to to jump back real quick to the issue of how do you get more people to get involved in courtroom activism, I think the the root issue might be the concern that people have over being identified and being able to be singled out as somebody who is a target. If you've got 12,000 people in the streets, you've got safety in numbers. So you become an anonymous part of a crowd. It's a relatively anonymous part of a crowd of people if you're participating in something like that. So, for instance, we've seen that happen here in, in Keene to a much smaller extent. Talked before about how in Keene in late 2009, the 420 celebration started up. They went through in 2010. They've started up again this year now that it, the, you know, the weather's getting pretty nice out. And so people are out in uh, the central square in Keene, New Hampshire, and they're smoking cannabis in, in the, you know, the park there at 420 in the afternoon on a regular basis. And that event had at one point grown to over 100 people attending, which is that's a lot of people for this little, little town. Uh, but most of those folks have never shown up at a trial. But then again, most of them have never been invited uh, to show up at a trial. So that might be one issue of you know communicating that these things are happening, getting the information into their hands, and then encouraging them, hopefully having friends of theirs attending so they'll know someone who's going and also want to come because their friends are coming because you know, there's, there's a social aspect uh, to it as well. But it may make sense that people would be wary about that, in, given that in a trial or in a courtroom, they're going to be much more identifiable. They're going to be you know, on video, for instance, of the court video cameras, and maybe they're paranoid. But it might be interesting to ask people and say, hey, look, you know, I, I've seen you out at all these, these events that we have, but you've never come to one of the trials. Why is that? 
maybe they'll they'll tell you that oh, I didn't know it was happening. Uh, well, okay. Well, how can we get you to know? How can we keep you in the loop with uh, with this information? What can we do to help you come to one of these things? Because volunteers are. Well, what they are. I mean, they, they're not getting paid, right? So you've, you've got various different issues that, that surround getting activists to come out and, and do things. None the least of which is that uh, they've got other things vying for their precious time, like leisure activities that don't risk families. them getting arrested, yeah. their families and their jobs. So, uh, you know, got to get the information into their hands and then come up with reasons for them to actually overcome their fear and come out and do it. And it's scary going to court. Man, when you've never been there before and you've got people like up here, we don't stand for the judge. Actually, this, uh, this recent trial of Bob Constantine, they bring the jury in. We've been standing for the jury. And then when they call for the judge to come in, everybody sits down. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, but for, for somebody who's brand new, and I remember this, it was very nerve-wracking, the idea of staying seated at, the, at this trial. And so for other people, it may just be nerve-wracking, the idea of even going into a courtroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody likes being in court. So, they know what happens there. Yeah, so it's not, it's not an easy task that you have at hand. But if you do have 12,000 prospects, I'd say you should be able to get, I don't know, 10 of them to show up at court. Yeah, and I'd also say it, the mooch factor is pretty high with crowds like this. Mooch so, factor. Yeah, just say they're they're going to have a pizza party beforehand or something like that that'll usually work a pizza party before the trial yeah mean? and then have everybody... to do it afterward oh well whatever because otherwise they can just come eat the pizza and then never yeah. show up the trial right? but either way hey, i mean hey, just hey, have yeah. a party or yes, offer something yeah it's, it's, a, it's a good idea i have another activism uh, from uh valparaiso asking me uh, how do you get the media so involved in your talks the media yeah you become the media well, yeah, that's a great point, Meg. You have to create your own media first and foremost. You have to have uh, video footage of the things that are happening at your activism events and make sure it's interesting. If somebody just speechifying is not as interesting as somebody getting arrested uh, for something. So there's different levels of, of attractiveness or sexiness of, uh, of video footage. And if you've got useful video footage, then other news organizations will want to use the, uh, that, uh, that video footage in their reports because they weren't there and they didn't get it, so they'll use yours. Uh, but also building a media list is important as well. So if you've got a certain area in which you do things, as we do here, you want to reach out to folks in the media and say, hey, you know, we've got this news release list. Uh, we'd like to send things to you once in a while. And actually, we, we don't use it as often as we really should. We've got a list here in Keene, and we only send things when, when one of us thinks to send something to it. It's not an automatic thing. Like, I have to think, oh, this would be good to post to the media list, because otherwise we're just posting things to the blog all the damn time. And if I posted every one of those to the media list, then they would get overwhelmed with content and they'd want it to be shut off. So use it seldomly. Make sure you post your best stories uh, to that list. But you have to invite people to it. You have to get them to opt in. Don't just add a bunch of email addresses to your list and think they're going to care about you. You have to kind of prove you're relevant first to them by getting out and doing the activism and creating that content, maybe putting it on a blog, and then inviting them to to join to keep up to date with you. And that may actually encourage them to do more reporting on you in the future. So if you kind of build a relationship to some extent uh, with the local media, that that helps. I hope that helps and answers your question, and I thank you for the call all the way from Brazil. No, that was uh, Chile. Oh, Chile. Yeah, you're right. Chile, (laughs) thanks. 1-800-25. Glad someone's paying attention. Yeah, it's a good thing. All right, so 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up – I got the continent right. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right on the same continent. Good for you. <laughs> it's close that uh, American you. schooling is showing, Ian. All right, we'll continue here with your phone calls. Right. Yeah, you can bring up anything. It's hard for Americans to even know where Chile is. We haven't been at war with them. <laughs> now, I know Brazil is on the uh, the west coast, right, of uh, South America? Yeah, uh, well, yes, yeah. Yeah, a good portion. It's the real no, skinny the, country. The east coast, actually. East coast? Uh, Ch- Chile Damn is it. the west coast, Chile's and the that's the real skinny one. All right, thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. <laughs> 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything you want. Take control of the airwaves, and this is Free Talk Live. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything you want. Dial in toll-free, take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Meg. And Mark. Don't forget, we invite you to our website. You can enjoy the features there for free. Listening options are available. We've got broadband and dial-up versions of the show. Around the clock, you can listen to the latest episode of Free Talk Live at listen.freetalklive.com. Plus, get information about our great radio stations that air the show from coast to coast. uh, And our satellite options like XM and our free-to-air satellite channel. Listening lines that allow you to call in from any phone that can dial long distance. And our webcam. Go get the details at listen.freetalklive.com. Com. You know, on Free Talk Live, we, we talk about gold and silver all the time, whether it's for an investment or for getting it for barter currency in case things go south with the economy or um, as a hedge against inflation. Gold and silver, it's hot on everybody's mind right now that uh, silver and gold have been quite volatile today. There's been a dip and, you know, no better time to buy than on the dip. I think it's going to continue to go up. That's my personal opinion. What's it down to? I haven't been paying attention. Well, um, I saw silver, you know, shoot up to forty-two and then down to forty. Um, and so, oh, that's the dip, just dip? down to forty. Well, yeah, what do like you want? last late last year, it was like twenty-five or something. That's crazy. Uh, Ian, uh, you said you got some at uh, seven. I no, it was nine. Nine. Got some I, at nine. Got some more at like eighteen, and then more at thirty. Yeah, I bought a bunch at uh, fourteen, and then I've just been buying. I mean, I bought some at thirty-five. I, I I'm of the opinion that it's going to continue to go up, and you know, I mean, but it may not. You never know. You, you never know. That's it's just an opinion, and I could get caught holding uh, the bag of uh, of uh, mercury dimes like anybody else. <laughs> but um, I don't think that's the case. You know, and I think the people that are going to be caught holding are people that are caught holding uh, Federal Reserve notes, personally. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get some silver, I think the best and cheapest way to do that is to go to silver.freetalklive.com and uh, check out the offerings we have there, Midas Resources. They will uh, they'll freeze the rate that you get it at. Uh, they'll ship it to you. It takes uh, three, four weeks or whatever it is to, uh, to get it out to you. But um, you'll, it'll be frozen at the rate at which you, um, you, know, you got it at. Also, they have um, an opportunity for you to do layaway. If you go to silver.freetalklive.com, there's a telephone number there, and you can do layaway with them by you know, calling that number, saying, you know, you've heard this on Free Talk Live that they offer layaway. You can put 20 
money coins um, or uh, pieces on uh, layaway and then pay them off weekly if you get paid weekly or biweekly if you get paid biweekly. As soon as it's paid off, they'll send it to you. That rate is also frozen at the rate at which you uh, reserve it at. Now's the time to do it, people. This is like taking out an option. Uh, this is a this is an op- an option put for people with uh, small potatoes. Go to silver.freetalklive.com. We also have gold there in case uh, you're, you're more of a gold bug. Let's continue with your phone calls. Jimmy, listening in Oklahoma, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jimmy. Good evening. Hey, Jimmy, what's on your mind uh, tonight? I had a question. Um, I would say that most activists carry a video camera with them. Would you say that to be true? I don't know if most... It's a good idea, but I, yeah. I don't know if most do. I don't know if most activists do, but yeah, it's a fine, fine uh, idea. And of course, you can say that a, many cell phones count as video cameras. So um, I certainly have a cell phone with a video option, but I do not tote around a camcorder everywhere I go. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I just wanted to clear that up. Because um, my, my thought and about carrying a video camera to your advantage is that a state or in a federal government could say, well, okay, we're going to play your game also and put video cameras on each street corner and violate our privacy. Uh, they are putting cameras. That? They are putting cameras on street corners in many places. Yeah, and the and the government doesn't really work like that. The government's looking to uh, expand in intrusiveness, and just because they put cameras on the, I mean, they're going to put cameras on the corners of streets if nobody does anything about it, whether or not activists care, carry cameras. Right. Okay. Yeah. Was it your suggestion? Were you suggesting that they were doing it in response to activism? Well, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I there's mean, any evidence you know, for that. I mean, yeah, it's been going well, on a lot longer than uh, even the Free State Project. I know, right? Like the cameras in London have been up for years. So, right, and and I understand that, but you know, uh, more and more, uh, you know, people, you know, kids, ten years old, you know, that are carrying cell phones and digital cameras and video cameras. Also, you know, you see a lot of kids with skateboards getting kicked out of parks mm-hmm. and and malls that you know it's just i think it's it's something for the future like maybe in five years there's going to be more cameras everywhere and that you know they, they could use that against us when we're using it against them today well i don't well, know what you mean they by use-, use cameras against us if we are if you're referring to activists but what i'm saying what i'm saying here is is that it doesn't matter to them whether whether you have a camera or not doesn't matter as to whether or not they're going to put up cameras right. they want cameras mm-hmm. they want cameras on the street corners Red they want cameras, them in your house they cameras. want them uh, on your face while you're driving they want to know right. every bit of they want your drop of blood they want the dna of your ki- of your cat they want all that information information because the government that's what they do they store collate information thanks for the call tonight i appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231 i'm not for the government putting up cameras all over the place i certainly don't want that but you know it makes right they have been doing it for a long long time you know certainly governments have been interested in collecting data uh, ever since there have been governments Uh, and so this is just a new way for them to do that just as technology develops i mean everybody be it activists or governments, it's going to employ the new technology. Yeah, essentially we're using their tools uh, against them yeah. uh, or using their tools to protect ourselves from them because the video camera, as Judge Napolitano, uh, Andrew Napolitano put it, is the new gun. Yeah, uh, the camera is the new gun. It's not necessarily going to be used uh, in a violent manner or even 
meant to be used as an intimidating manner. It's just more of your own protection. It's like when people That's see right. you have a gun, they're probably not going to try and stab you. In if the they, same way, government yeah. bureaucrats behave differently mm-hmm. when there are cameras around. And I'd like to point out that, um, you know, I've, I've thought about this in the past. And once you have that camera that's sort of always on on you and then streaming to the Internet at all times so that you have the footage of everything that goes on in your life, even if you don't share that with anybody because a lot of people would, would want to you know do that as sort of, a, you know, people imagine themselves as stars in their own little life play and they'll mm-hmm. put that stuff out there for people to see. You wouldn't have to do that. You could just you can load, watch me eat dinner. You could just uh, load it up to an account. And at that point, imagine what it's like for the carjacker or the robber or whomever. They, you know, if their face is caught on film, it's going to change the face of crime um, in this country. I think that it'll diminish it greatly. Yeah, and it is already uh, contributing to diminishing the crime that we experience on behalf of the government and what they, the crime, the criminal acts in which they involve themselves in. It certainly hasn't stopped it. It certainly no. hasn't really slowed it significantly. But it but, has come in handy in uh, like defending people in cases and stuff like that when they can show the video. Absolutely. And, Our friend yeah. Pete Ayer from LibertyOnTour.com and CopBlock.org, when he was arrested in yeah. the courtrooms here in in, uh, in the courtroom here in Keene, New Hampshire, for having a hat on, he was on our cameras the entire time, and, and theirs. so we, and theirs, but theirs <laughs> don't capture audio. Yeah, and so we caught the entire situation. Had we not had two cameramen uh, in that room, and when I say cameraman, one guy brought his video camera, the other guy just happened to have his cell phone. The guy <laughs> with the cell phone actually got the better shot of the cop putting his knee on Pete's head. This completely unnecessary use of force on the part of the police. The cops ended up dropping those charges that they'd uh, levied against Pete. Right. They could have said anything otherwise. Well, and they completely lied on their description That's of right. what happened. But So it's, it was because of our video cameras that we were able to overcome that and make that aggression go away. It didn't stop the aggression. But it made it go away eventually, so it's better than it otherwise would have been. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We gave you uh, give you the features on the site there completely free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include news updates. Get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something that you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to news.freetalklive.com. Uh, to get signed up for either our email updates or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, all of them are there, and they're all completely free. News.freetalklive.com. And by the way, if you do the Facebook thing, then there's a good chance you might win some stuff. Because sometimes, Mark, you like to give away stuff on our Facebook. Yeah, account. there's going to be VeggieTales uh, DVDs being given away well, on we've Facebook. We've got more. I've, I, I, have, I have several more. All right. Do you want to give away one tonight? Well, yeah. 
Let's do that. Away. People like these things. We're not going to do it right now, but coming up later on. Yeah, and if uh, please go to uh, facebook.freetalklive.com, like our page, and uh, you'll have a chance to win. I've been doing it, mm, basically giving them away between 9 and 10 p.m. Eastern, which means that if you're listening on the podcast and you're getting this message late, hey, go like anyway, because you're liable to win anyhow. Yeah, so, there you go. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies, that's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for a their free daily dispatch. It's freedomsphoenix.com. We continue with your calls. Brian, listening in Oklahoma, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Brian. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead with your thoughts. Uh, LRN.FM, when you click on the stream to watch you guys, um, a BP propaganda ad pops up every time saying how good of a job they did cleaning up out there and shows people... Uh, Feeding on the uh, toxic food and everything. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah. Uh, probably Ustream that uh, would be doing that. Uh, the provider that we have uh, sending video over the internet is not a, I guess, a cheap proposition, and so they they likely put uh, advertisements in there. There are ways to defeat ads uh, with uh, certain browser extensions, by the way. And also, when you're dealing with a show like Free Talk Live or any other talk show, um, everybody's got a little piece of the pie. You understand? There's uh, Free Talk Live. We get some of our ads to sell. Um, my, my, uh, Midas Resources or Genesis Communications Network. They get some of our ads to sell the local radio station gets some of our ads to sell if we're on um you know somebody's uh, private uh, uh, you know internet radio station their stream or whatever they may insert ads yeah i wouldn't recommend you defeat the ads uh, because you know those guys you know did pay to be be there we don't get a chunk of it though by the way that's just essentially yeah, paying for the, us but i'm, right, I'm we, just pointing out that yeah. uh you know calling us and telling us about it other than you know it's interesting uh, like we have no control over it whatever Right. The only control we would have would be to go to a different video streaming service or pay through the nose uh, to make those ads go away. And I, I just right now, you know, we just can't afford to do that. Yeah. Plus, I'm at the point now where, you know, anything that I really know I fundamentally disagree with in a commercial like the army commercials or anything that comes up, I can pretty much ignore it. So. Yeah. So anything else you want to well, share? I just, yeah, I just wanted you guys to know that in case you didn't know. And uh the the cameras like, I'm from Vegas and they, they have cameras like on every single intersection out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, that's just I think it's the future for the rest of the country. It's just it's spreading. You know, doesn't it's, have to be. It's sad that the the red light cameras in particular they um, they tend to cause more accidents um, than they save people from. I mean, the idea <laughs> being that red light cameras are going to keep people from running red lights and thereby thereby save save lives. But in fact, what they do is uh, municipalities find. That people find out that the red where the cameras are, and then they'll begin slamming down their brakes at those intersections in order to avoid getting the ticket. And then they'll, you know, people will slam into those people from behind. The best way to handle an intersection is to look, you know, at the intersection, see what's going on, look at the your situation behind you, and proceed through it. Even if you have a green light, you you can't act like, um, you know, you're you're safe. Well, of course, all that's true, Mark, but it won't stop them from continuing to expand video cameras. In some cases, they may have stopped the red light cams 
maybe they then turn them into speed cams or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So they're, they're not going to go away. They're not going to stop installing cameras. They're going to install more and more and, and try to observe you in more and more places, I've even all- inside your home in some cases. They were talking about doing this. I think it was in Houston uh, where – I think it was, it was Great Britain. Excuse me. Great it's Britain. Houston where they're doing the drones. They're flying drones around in the sky. Well, you know, I'm almost for uh, the, the speeding uh, ca- cameras, not because I want people to get tickets, but, you know, if – if in fact they give out these tickets on a um, you know an equal basis to everybody with these speed cameras, then everybody's going to have to go the speed limit. And if everybody goes the speed limit, then what you're going to find is the speed limit is darn slow, and that people want to go faster. And then they'll put pressure on the politicians in order to get. Well, that's awfully uh, speculative, Mark. Well, plus I, I doubt if Texas ev- just raised their speed limit. I doubt if everybody would get a ticket because I can guarantee if any like cop, fireman, oh, yeah. anybody drove mm-hmm. through that speeding. Even just like in their normal car, I don't know I, I how don't know. in the world would they would they know if a cop in their normal car? I mean, they might have a t- system for going and getting a ticket thrown out. Like well, you know, the, probably it'd come up with like their name because they'd have to send the ticket, right? Yeah. So it'd come up with their name and address, and they'd see that it was one of their buddies. And they'd just uh, like it'd likely be automated though. Yeah, true. I know some states have uh, laws where you can't wear a mask. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yep. I, don't, I don't know. I guess that's a, kind of an option, you know, when they have the cameras everywhere, just kind of wear some kind of a ski mask. Well, kind of the thing. problem is that uh, they don't care whether or not you were driving. They're going to ticket whomever it is that's on the uh, the driver's registration. So it wouldn't you think, matter. You think wearing the ski mask or like the burka kind of thing is like a Fourth Amendment thing or free right to privacy or, or it's what? It's an interesting question. I don't think you're going to do it for very long. <laughs> um, the fact is wearing a mask is generally uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And it's generally considered you know, like you could be a bank robber and people get very upset about that. Yeah, f- yeah, f- f- masks make people very, very upset. Up here in New England, I've noticed that uh, you know people will sometimes on the street be wearing ski masks. When it's things. cold. cold. Yeah. When it's really cold, uh, people, you know, like bicyclists and things like that, especially. Yeah, I wear, wear a scarf them. on my face whenever I ride my bike. Yeah. And- the cold and people always think i'm gonna rob them when i walk into a store and i'm just like it's very very cold out and my nose is dripping so <laughs> hey thanks for the call tonight uh, brian appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231 so they're doing this medical speaking of ski masks they're doing this medical marijuana hearing on thursday here in uh, new hampshire in the concord state house this is the medical marijuana bill that has passed the state legislature, the excuse me, the uh, the House, not the Senate, and the Senate's hearing this particular piece of legislation. Now, I was told today that this is like the weakest, most pathetic uh, medical marijuana bill that has ever been written. But you know, it's probably still the step in the right direction. So I'm th- I'm debating with myself. Well, I've been traveling all over the damn place uh, this this week already. Maybe I should go up to the state house and put in an appearance on behalf of New Hampshire organized criminals. Uh, because NHOC, the New Hampshire Organized Criminals, is very upset about uh, this medical marijuana provision. You know, they have for a long time been the exclusive provider of medical marijuana, and they've been able to make a lot of money off of people uh, with you know crippling diseases, wheelchair uh, wheelchair bound mm-hmm. folks. And it's a, it's an outrage that uh, the, the state government would consider taking food out of our children's mouths because you know organized criminals have families too and we need to make money as well and so how, how dare the new hampshire state government uh consider this i mean i haven't written out any notes so just kind of off the top of my head but to kind of come in and do a little bit of street theater uh and i actually had some i'm sure the politicians just love your street they, theater. they did actually when i went there and i did this before they thought it was very amusing and uh, of course i i i don't think it's funny i think that uh, that they're taking very lightly a very serious issue 
issue. But if that's what it takes to get the you know to get the message through, I think that it could be useful. I think street theater is uh, is a very useful political tool. But I was thinking maybe I should take it to the next level and actually wear a balaclava or a ski mask into the <laughs> into the chamber and just sit there with a ski. You know, because they they make you wait until it's your turn to speak and just kind of sit there in the uh, the chamber with a ski mask on until well, I finally do, get up. Like the very old fashioned stereotypical like gangster look, you know, with the whole bandana. And... I've got a pinstripe suit you can borrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be wonderful. Just I don't, I don't it... even know that he could wear I mean, He's taller than I am and skinny. I don't. <laughs> 1-800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you would like. This is Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You're invited to bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features you'll find there for free. If you like the show, you appreciate the fact that we give you the website free. Become an amplifier. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is a simple one. Uh, you send in three bucks a month with any major credit card through PayPal or use uh, your Visa or MasterCard right on our website. Send in three bucks a month. We'll take that money and reinvest it into the show and get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So go to amp.freetalklive.com and get signed up today. That's amp.freetalklive.com. You'll get perks, too, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only forum and podcast and more. Get signed up. Learn more. Amp.freetalklive.com. We continue with your calls about anything, and then we'll hopefully get back to the story about educational sins of the forced education system. Uh, But first, we go to Chris listening in Maryland. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Meg, and Mark. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. I'm not listening to the show live. Um, I'm currently in a parking garage in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, but I've listened to the past few minutes of your show, but I want to bring up a new po- a new topic. Sure. Um, yeah. The other day you guys were talking about atheists, uh, particularly evangelical atheists. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that term, but I guess I am one. So... Well, what does it mean then to be an to you to be an evangelical atheist if you think you are? No, he thinks he's well, not. Um, he I, says he thinks he is an evangelical atheist. He doesn't like the term, though. Right. Yeah, strong atheist, maybe. Um, that, that's a term I've heard before. Well, isn't a strong um, atheist a person who is certain that there's no God? Couldn't one be certain that there's no God without blabbing it all over the place? I suppose um, it's just evangelical. The definition has to do with spreading the word of God. I don't know. I mean, evangelical to some extent just means spreading the word, doesn't it? I mean, I, I, that's I've heard it used in that fashion. I'm As sure. in to evangelize. Yeah. Um, so you know, spreading the word, like there's a difference between believing well, something and no, uh, he's right. Uh, evangel evangelize to preach the gospel to to convert to Christianity. So is that the only definition? Is, 
Uh, those are the, the, the first two, yeah, a two of two. And I know evangelical is like a certain sect of Christianity. They have that evangelical much, yeah, churches. Term. There is another yeah. one, uh, the intransitive verb, I guess, uh, version to advocate a cause with the object of making converts. So, yes, there is a non-churched definition, but it's not the primary one. Well, uh, Ian, just because it's not the fr- the primary definition does not mean it's not the definition. I understand of that, but there are certain connotations to words, as Absolutely. we know. Absolutely, there, yeah. there are. And so I'm, I'm going to stand by, go ahead and stand by that. Now that the dictionary's backed me up, but you know what I mean by it when I see evangelical atheist is I don't mean somebody who thoroughly believes what they believe. I mean somebody who goes out and talks about what they believe with other people. We could call it a pushy atheist instead. You could, yeah. How, you like pushy better? I guess. Okay. Um, <laughs> to, uh, to expand on why I, I believe being a, uh, I guess a pushy atheist. I why I am one. Okay. All right. uh, because I've had many arguments with family members, friends, colleagues on atheism versus religion. And the, it all comes down to, I think it's uh, pretty much intertwined with my views with uh, uh, anarcho-capitalism, uh, libertarianism, things like that. Okay. Um, I think in order to have a very uh, a good view of the, uh, of the world, a logical view, that you have to be logical. And I think that religion is pretty much inherently illogical. Um, so if you allow that into your, to your, uh, I'm 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 trying to think of the word uh, thought if, process. If you, uh, yeah, if you allow it, that to be part of your uh, thought process, then you're being illogical. And I'm not trying to be like uh, Mr. Spock or anything, but um, it just seems like it would uh, badly influence people. Um, in certain ways, such as Christianity, not 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 all. Is religions, it possible? That, not all religion. What? N- not all religions. I, I'm, I'm mostly against uh, organized religion myself. Um, Even though religion itself right. is illogical. So, so, to you. so the, at that point, your your point right. doesn't make any sense. You're saying that it's about illog- um, you know, illogic, and the fact is, all religion would be contrary to what is commonly called logic today. Uh, religion is a faith faith based uh, sort of belief system. So. Why is it that, I mean, you're deviating. In fact, you have targeted certain types of religions, uh, the organized religions. Why do you deviate? Well, um, basically, it's uh, the unorganized religion. People generally don't um, have a set belief in God like uh, organized religion does. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. What? Like, um, like uh, uh now I'm confused. I'm getting all confused here now. Yeah, hold clearly. On. People, <laughs> well, hold on. Just stop for a second. What don't yeah. you like? I mean, you're going out, you're talking to people, you're evangelizing, at least to your family and friends. I haven't heard you say that you bother strangers on the street, uh, but you know, you're, you're doing this. Why are you doing it? Something's got your teeth on edge. I'll tell you while you think about it. I'll tell you what makes me go after Christianity on a regular basis. I grew up Christian. I taught Sunday school. My mom uh, you know, made me go to church. She sent me to a Christian school from kindergarten through eighth grade. I internalized all this information uh finally when i did in you know i ended up in prison at a portion of my life i was uh you know at the at my wits end the foxhole situation i really believed 
in Christianity. And what I found was I felt lied to and misled. And I feel like churches or the the churches that I experienced were really just hidey holes for Republicans to uh, live their little lives and exclude other people. They were they were the do gooders of America living in their little churches and excluding everybody. It was an exclusionary group. I don't like those people because of the lies they told me and the the nonsensical uh, stories that I was given that made me feel all kinds of guilt in my life. Hello? Um, yeah. Any thoughts? Yeah. I actually have, uh, other than the prison part, I've never <laughs> been to prison myself, um, had a pretty similar experience. I was uh, raised as a Roman Catholic, then a Protestant, and uh, what's your goal I, I, with all this? Yeah, so so you're mad I, at I them, and, and I understand this, and this is something I'm working on for myself. Is you know what's the worst part about uh, somebody who has a religion? And for me, it is that they want to share it with you. See, for me, it's a, a feeling like I'm going to insult them by saying I don't believe in it. Like, I always feel bad. Like, I'm, I'm creating this division between me and somebody else, and I've somehow insulted, you know, their whole life basis because I don't believe in so their So you'd rather religion. stay away from the, the topic? Yeah, I, I just, I'm agnostic for a reason. Like, yeah, well. nobody's proven anything to me at any point, and I've never experienced anything of a spiritual nature on my own, so I'm... Uh, Everybody's met the guy, whether he's come knock on your door or whatever, that wants to talk to you about his religion and share how important it is to him. Now, this person cares deeply about you because they're trying to save you from the fires of hell, (laughs) I'd like to say. But, you know, that same thing. Most people just don't want to hear it. God, it's annoying. Please stop. You know, I don't want to hear about this. And for me, that's what the worst part is. And I would have to say it's likely the same way when somebody's trying to share atheism. Yeah, I definitely. tend to have more in common with an atheist than I do with uh, somebody who believes in organized religion. So it wouldn't bother me as much. But I want more to know why does the atheist or the evangelical atheist or for that matter, the evangelical Christian feel like they want to share. Well, mo- most of the time, I'm usually on the defensive. Um, most of oh, the time... Well. Then you're not um, evangelical. <laughs> yeah, so you're well, not starting I, I, the conversations? Um, most of the time, no. Okay, well, then uh, you're not... You're, sorry, you don't you don't qualify as a pushy right. atheist. If, if you're like me, you throw out little jabs now and then to, uh, you know, to, to family and friends just saying, hey, that's a pretty silly story, or whatever, you know, <laughs> just in average conversation. But, uh, yeah, if you're... If you're not starting the conversation, you're not evangelical. You just believe what you believe, and you won't back down from it. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. And you probably like to you know, stir it up at the, the family dinner parties. The part that the part that confuses me, though, is that um, there are evangelical atheists out there, and one understands why Christians are evangelical. They're worried about your eternal soul going to hell. Yeah, but what about the atheists? Why, why do they does care? the atheist care? Yeah. <laughs> just, he wants to increase logic in the world, right, or something, right? Yeah, it always the... just seems like they're they're just trying to be insulting. Every time I've had a conversation with an atheist, it's. It just comes off as like, well, if you don't really care, then what are you doing other than insulting me? You know, maybe you could maybe you could explain that to us at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. But right now we got to give you a Veggie Tales DVD, which of course is a little bit Christian. Oh yeah, they're Christian. Uh, (laughs) Maybe a lot Christian. Hey, you know, I don't think they shove it down your throat though. At least I have. I don't know all the Veggie Tales products out there, but my son has a a a book, and I find it mild. Well, this one is the uh, the uh, the, was the night before Easter. It's a DVD, and it's going to be yours if you. Call in now at 603-435-1105. That's 603 
603-435-1105. And who could not like anthropomorphic vegetables? Uh, 603-435-1105. Call in now. First caller gets it. It's free talk. You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal. But something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com. Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait. There's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to libertystickers.com to order or call 877-873-9626. LibertyStickers.com, the world's most dangerous stickers. is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program. Dial in toll-free and take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site there. Completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Meg. And Mark. Meg, by the way, joining us courtesy of her website, libertyflare.com. We'll tell you more about that here in a little bit. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. Let's continue with your phone calls. Kevin, listening in Indy to WXNT. Hello, Kevin. Oh, hello. How are you folks tonight? Hey, just great. What's on your mind, Kevin? Well, um, I'm, I'm Catholic, raised 12 years at Catholic school. Uh, and my take on religion is this. I look at the existentialist view, and that is that religion is good from the standpoint that it gives us a moral compass and gives us values, but it's really bad in that it tries to dictate how we run our lives in certain areas, and sometimes that's just not a good thing. So, Don't I'm you think a, you could have a moral compass without religion? I don't know because um, I've bought into the Catholic faith to the point there are two ca- types of Catholics. There's the devout where you just believe everything the Pope says and everything the Church says, and there's the fallen. Now, you can still go to church like I do, but I consider myself a fallen Catholic because I don't believe everything that the Catholic Church says, but I do believe in faith, and I do believe it you know, it gives me that moral compass. I don't know. My Having gone to school for the 12 years and, and lived it my entire life, I'm 56, I don't know any other way to, to believe. So I think there's some danger to this, and I tell people this, and it it is completely contrary to what they've been taught in the church. This idea that religion will give you a moral compass is that there's um, so there's there's the moral compass aspect, and then there's all the stories that go on around it, right? There's Balaam and his talking ass. There's the ta- the power of the Tower of Babel. There's uh, Jesus walking on the water, and you know all the stories. And some people, some of them are more believable than others, right? Yes, and and it's kind of like the Kennedy history, the show that just came out about the Kennedys. I didn't watch it. <laughs> okay, there's all these myths about the Kennedys, and they made a movie out of it. So, okay. you know, what, did Jesus really walk on water? I probably doubt that he. Who did. knows? But you know, who knows? But you know, it gives you faith, and and it's good. <laughs> he was good in in this world, and. 
Now, here's another interesting wait, wait, wait. thing. I want to make a point. I want to make a point here before you go on. Sure, sure, um, uh, sure. You know, I'll take I'll take the Jesus walking on the water story long before I take the uh, the Noah's Ark story. I find that one to be the most ludicrous of them all. But um, the the thing that that happened to me is that about 16 years old, I really began to question all of these stories. Now, I had, as I said, gone to a Bible school and, and taught uh you know, uh, t- taught Sunday school and gone to church and and been educated in a Christian school and all this stuff. And then I began to really question these things as if they're not true anymore. So when you begin to question the stories, then the moral compass goes out the window with it. If the none of the if the the book isn't true, then the the things that it teaches isn't true, at least to my 16-year-old mind. At that point, I went off the rails. I began committing crimes. I, um, you know, uh, I dealt drugs. I broke into cars. I broke into homes. It culminated with me being in a hotel room where a guy gets killed and I go to prison for nine years. So there is a second edge to this story where religion gives us a moral compass. If religion gives you a moral compass and then it's accompanied with a whole bunch of silly stories, then when the silly stories, when your mind rejects the silly stories, it rejects the moral compass. That makes uh, that makes sense. Wouldn't it make more sense to uh, to get a moral compass based on your experience in life, discovering that hurting others ends up hurting you, and that the best way to get ahead in life is to help other people and to you know treat people right and to honor your agreements and you know n- do no harm. Yes, the the thing is that I'm in first grade, and there, but I had the nuns teaching me what you just said. So then I took that as part of my religion. But what I really think is interesting is. Christianity and the Muslim faith both are offshoots of, Ju- of the Jewish religion. Yes, which is an really, offshoot of the Zoroastrian religion, which is interesting, too. Isn't that amazing when yeah. you think about yeah. it? It all just kind of so, works together. It's it's amazing how these things have evolved in people's uh, belief systems. But, um, you know, I've, I found, and I don't know much about the Muslim religion, what I found about the Christian religion is it has a selling point that many religions don't have. If you're good, you go to the good place. If you're, if you're not good, you go to the bad place. And many religions don't actually have that. And the ones that are successful, because, uh, you know, when it comes to Zeus or Hades or whomever, um, you know, Thor, yeah, you just go to the you go to the dead place. <laughs> um, whereas if you've got this 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 sorting mechanism, people are much more likely to be scared into believing the story. Fear mm-hmm. is a powerful motivator. Yeah, well, they always said like fear is the heart of love or something like that, and it just sounds ridiculous to me. What does that mean? I know. I'm just like so. I love you because I'm afraid of you. Well, Kevin, any other thoughts you want to share tonight? Well, the Catholic Church built its dynasty by absorbing uh, you know, like the French the French. Uh, country, etc. And every time they absorbed countries, they would take in their pagan religion, and they yes. would take one aspect of that and make it part of their religion. Yeah. So I, I thought that was fascinating. Charlemagne would only come in if, if say, they believed in the Easter Bunny. Say, so, oh yeah, we'll believe in the Easter Bunny. Come on in. No problem. Not a East- problem. Right? We're, we're down with the Easter Bunny. Yeah, I just went by the Catholic Church in town, and they had a stained glass uh, window there of Mary, you know, with her head bowed, looking pious. And you'd never find that on a Protestant church. You know, they're they're never going to push the Mary aspect of it. But I suspect that's uh, from you know to to bring in all the all the religions out there that have this this mother figure. Um, you know, and and I guess women, you know, they give life and stuff. So I can totally see why some mother figures would be big in some religions. Kevin, thanks for the call and the thoughts tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Let's talk to Johnson listening in Connecticut. Johnson, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Meg, and Mark. Hi. You know, I think I can answer a little bit about why I guess an atheist would proselytize. 
um, because I sort of see it as very similar to my views on uh, liberty and freedom in that I view fraud as force. Um, I think that you can imprison someone with a lie uh, by if you if you lie to someone enough and they base their actions and their beliefs on a lie, it's it's almost like forcing their actions. It's like forcing someone to do something against their will because you've tricked them. And uh, well, I, I think that that's, as- I think what you've done is distilled the difference between a cult and a religion. Um, the cults people will often call them that because they have this charismatic leader, and the charismatic leader would know that they're defrauding somebody, right? Whereas well, I view Christianity as a very large cult. Yeah, but but I mean, when it comes to Christianity, the 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 leaders of Christianity all believe the story. I mean, I don't believe that there's I don't believe there's more than one percent, if that, of people who are preaching Christianity spend their lives, uh, you know, around spreading its word that don't believe it. I can't believe that for a second. I just don't believe that human nature allows that. You don't believe the cult leaders believe their uh, story either. I they would have to be delusional. No, I don't. I but think, yet the Christian Christian preachers aren't delusional in that way. They're wrong. They're not delusional. Well, what about the cults where everybody, including the cult leader, kills themselves? I mean, he's not really in it for the money. Ah, you know, there's crazy people everywhere. <laughs> I don't know what to tell yeah, you. Yeah, to say it's 1%, I think, is really in a, is inaccurate. What? You think more than 1% of preachers be- don't believe the Christian story? Absolutely. But not they, not they through and through. Look at, look at, for example, Mother Teresa. What about her? Atheist. What? She's an atheist. She's, She's an, an atheist. atheist. Oh, yeah, she wrote about it in her journal. Well, I don't know. I couldn't tell you, but, um, you know, she was trying to help people. I mean, she, the, that was her mission was to bring— Actually, she wasn't, and that's what she wrote about in her journal. She was actually trying to get people to feel Christ's pain. Then why would she be huh. an atheist? Why would she care about feeling Christ's pain? Because she felt that at the end of her life that maybe she had been doing the wrong thing and just hurting thousands of people and just causing people to suffer horrible misery and that she wasn't actually sending anyone to heaven, that she was just causing horrible, miserable pain. Yeah, which the, is, the Penn and Teller episode about her is a real eye-opener where they talk about how she's all into was all into uh, suffering. I, lots of Christians are into suffering. That doesn't mean right. that doesn't diminish their faith. Right, but in her particular case, she journaled about it. And well, said, you know, one journal entry doesn't is a snapshot of what's one, one's mind is at no, that time. I mean, my favorite color at, at times has been lemon yellow, but today it's chartreuse. I mean, so, uh, you know, people's minds change about things. Right, well, you're talking about toward the end of her life. This is one of her final... Uh, yeah, I committed fraud against you, uh, Johnson. Old, so. I never liked lemon yellow. Well, you also never let Johnson get, uh, get to his point. So hold that thought, Johnson. Yeah. We'll uh, come back to you here in a moment at 800-259-9231. That's the sacred CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you would like. This is Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. How does a cruise to Bermuda sound? How about a cruise to Bermuda with Stefan Molyneux, Wes Bertrand of Complete Liberty, and me, Mark Edge. This cruise isn't just a convention on the water, it's an unconference where the event is what you make of it. The boat has an ice skating rink, rock climbing wall, miniature golf, and much more. The ship leaves Bayonne, New Jersey this November. But you need to reserve your berth now. They're about $600 double occupancy. Go to cruise.freetalklive.com. Do it today. Cruise.freetalklive.com. is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you'd like. 800-259-9231. Although we have ventured into the realm of theology here at <laughs> Call Tonight. 
Oh, that's always a fun one. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Meg. And Mark. Uh, don't forget, you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. You can enjoy uh, the features we have there, like the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing they are listeners of this program. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com. And if you're a lady listener, get details on how to become part of the Shrine. Shrine.freetalklive.com. Meg, you are the creator of libertyflare.com. But what is it? Uh, Liberty Flare are one-inch little buttons. You've probably seen them on Office Space. I cater to nerds, so that's why I named Mm -hmm. them Flare. Uh, Really easy way to spread liberty, really cheap way to spread liberty. And for some of the uh, designs and whatnot that we have, I give 50% of the proceeds to whatever group or organization happened to sponsor that flare so you know you can help out organizations in the process yeah so great way to get something to start some conversations and Mm -hmm. help some of your favorite liberty groups yeah and it's so cheap and easy to do that there's really like you know you have five bucks lying around you got a way to spread liberty absolutely libertyflare.com as uh, we continue here of course we'll take your calls about anything uh let's go back to johnson in connecticut you wanted to make a point johnson about why you think some atheists are so evangelical or pushy uh and mark interrupted you before you got through your first sentence so uh, go yeah, ahead it's with, all my fault with your thoughts <laughs> well Okay, I think a lot of the problems with religion, obviously, is, is how religion is tied to the state and how people who have these religious beliefs are able to enact legislation and get into positions of power sure. to affect other people's lives, right? So, obviously, a lot of the problem with religion is tied to government, but I don't think that it's just government that's the problem. I think that even in the Liberty Society, um, that religion is still an issue because religious belief still causes people to... Uh, treat, for example, homosexuals unfairly. Uh, it causes people to have, you know, just strange, odd, you know, prejudices uh, based on these bizarre, you know, what I, I think are lies that they've been told. I mean, they've been indoctrinated and told not to question and not to think for themselves. And this is sort of the same mentality and same behavior that the state uses when it lies to people. Well, and create the fiction. Um, so I think that uh, different people who have you know their religious beliefs pick it. People who have religious beliefs pick and choose. Flat end of the story um, as to whether what they choose to believe and what they choose not to believe. We heard our last caller say that uh, he doesn't follow everything the Catholic Church says. Uh, there's mm-hmm. not, there's not a Christian out there that follows all the things that the Bible says because it's got some really old bizarre stuff, especially in like Deuteronomy and and um, you know Leviticus. Well, These books plus are full so of much old of it crap. counters itself at times. So you, know, you could not follow the Bible to a T because you'd break some other rule in the Bible. <laughs> so what you have is a situation where um, you know if you're if you're assuming that someone is a Christian and therefore they don't like say gay people um, you know that's that, that may or may not be true um, for one Christians would say oh you love the you love the sinner you don't love the sin you hate the sin and so you know different people are going to accept that uh, belief system differently so some people are going to be like stay away from my kids you're you've got an agenda um, or 
Other people are going to be like, well, you know, I'd love to talk to you about uh, your issues. And other people are going to think it's fine to be gay because Jesus loves everybody. Well, let me see if I can clarify something, Johnson. Are you saying that essentially you believe that these angry atheists uh, that uh, that, are very pushy with their atheism are trying to essentially convert people away from these organized religions so they can uh, hopefully stop them from doing stupid things like hating gay, uh, gay people? Because just because somebody decides to stop believing in God doesn't mean they're going to stop their hatred towards certain people. But that has happened over and over again. People who drop religion, they, they actually do drop the hatred because they realize that it's it's crazy. It's it's not it's not founded on anything. So really, what it is is an attempt to free people's minds and say, "Hey, question things. Start questioning everything. Yeah, but and question you know your your beliefs about reality and to sort of come to a scientific method of things, like like actually trying to study and perceive truth and reality, coming to a truth of things as opposed to just believing what you've been told. I think that's a good argument for uh, where I stand, not for atheists, because atheist is a very definite belief in no God. And I don't have that atheist belief in no God because nobody can prove that to me. And so I, I think, you know, you're talking more. I believe in, you know, opening up people's minds to say, okay. question those things. But definition of atheist, though, that that's that's what's called strong atheism. Atheism literally means without belief. So it just means somebody who doesn't believe in God. Like, it's not, it's not actively saying that there is no God. It's just they don't have a belief. I mean, I, I don't believe in unicorns or leprechauns or, um, you know. Do you not believe in air? Do I, what? <laughs> well, I mean, if you have no belief, then you don't believe in reality or, you know, anything. It's a, it's a, yeah, I mean, the I atheism, believe, according not, to the definition, is the, it's the doctrine or belief that there is no God. I mean, yeah, that, it's a very specific lack of a certain belief. Yes, agnostic is the uh, no, you know, de- definition of anything. Right, it, but it's being taught that that's not true. Agnosticism is actually in regards to something without knowledge and saying, I don't know. Atheism is not saying that you actively disbelieve in something. It's a specific term applied to people who do not believe in God, and it's not... It's not that they, it's just that they're without a belief. In other words, you, you could apply the same term to every one of you in the room and call you all le- a-leprechaunists or a-leprechaunists, you know, that you all don't believe in leprechauns, but people don't bother. People, for some reason, bother to call people atheists. I see where you're coming yeah, from. This is a system that atheists use in order to get uh, agnostics in their camp. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's I, I, you know, it's fine with me if people want to play these word games. I, I mean, yeah, A means, um, you know, not. Uh, auto means to yourself. So, um, you know, I could, in fact, uh, claim to be, if, if I believe myself to be God, and I think that's as, I'm as good a choice as any, uh, I'd be an auto theist. Yeah, you know, I appreciate where you're coming from, Johnson, and I, I thank you for the call tonight at uh, 800 259. You're not God. 9231, that is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Look, I get where he comes from. That's like the idea that you're trying to to rescue these people from their uh, shackles of their religion. Uh, and I get it. It's not my game. I mean, it's not my bag. I'm, I'm more interested in um, helping people see that government is violence and that they shouldn't support it and that, that we right. can benefit as a society from those things so changing. W- yeah, what I've decided... Um, but if they're happy with their religion, I'd rather just leave them alone. Well, well for myself, the only thing that I care about 
about is if they take your religion and they attempt to vote it on to me and mine. Right. Well, then we've got a government problem. If they yeah. talk about hell, because I think that hell is this kind of scary story that they uh, that that is used as a bludgeon to get people to believe, um, you know, the, their religion. I don't, you know, if somebody starts talking about hell, then I'm on them. But up until that point, I no longer. I, I just decided I'm not going to do that, and it's because I think that. The, the most annoying part about religions is that people want to proselytize them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to be the guy who's out there proselytizing against their religion. So, I mean, because I'm just doing what it is that I don't like about them. Right. And I don't care if you want to have a government either. I mean, that's your business as long as you don't force it on me. Right. So you can have your religion. Just don't force it on me. And you can have your government. Just don't force it on me. So my position is essentially, hey, leave me and my friends that want to be left alone alone. And hey, stop hurting those nice, innocent people over there, too, please. Just keep mm-hmm. keep your business to yourself. Whereas proselytizing is actively trying to recruit people over yeah. into a, a specific belief system. I don't care what your belief system is. I don't care if you're a communist or a capitalist or, you know, whatever you call yourself. Just don't push it on me. Thanks very much. 800-259-9231. And by push, I mean using force. It's free talk live. When it comes to potential police abuse, the most important place to protect yourself is while driving. Freedomcam.net has a groundbreaking new product that gives you the best all-around protection. The GPS GPS Black Black Box Box Dash Cam. Cam. This easy-to-use unit has video cameras recording all around and inside your vehicle. It also has a built-in microphone and GPS navigation, which records your driving route and speed. For traffic stops, accidents, and all other driving incidents, protect yourself with the ultimate witness at freedomcam.net. is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Features including archives. If you missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website, freetalklive.com. The ideal fighting carbine, the Ruger Ruger Gunsight Scout rifle is designed to meet the scout rifle criteria of hunt, fight, defend. An affordable, versatile, reliable rifle. It delivers 10 rounds of 308 Winchester performance in a variety of situations. It's compact, lightweight, and accommodates a host of optics. It's a serious rifle for those serious about rifles. The perfect do-it-all bolt-action rifle where rugged, reliable Ruger meets the practical tactical. The Ruger Gunsight Scout Rifle, the one rifle you have to have if you can have only one. Visit Ruger.com or stop by your local firearms retailer today. All right, so 800-259-9231 is the number. We continue with your calls. Bryant is listening in West Virginia to WVTS in Charleston. Hello, Bryant. Bryant is gone. We will try Jason instead, listening in Indy to WXNT. Hello, Jason. Hey, guys. Hey, hey I, I wanted to make a comment on yes, wh- why some atheists may proselytize. If, I'm, if I can give you just background for a second, I grew up Christian and um, through many years reading the Bible cover to cover. Um, I, to make a long story short, I just arrived at a point where I felt the claims were not justified. And so to me... Uh, I, um, when I look at the word atheist, I see atheos, which means without God. So I don't see, I think anyone who goes out there and says that there is no God, I think that's a pretty presumptuous, even an arrogant statement. Mm. I, I interpret the word atheist as someone who uh, rejects 
the claims that someone else is making. So there's a lot of groups out there who will say there's this sort of God or there's this sort of God. And so me as an atheist, I, I say I'm not asserting anything. I'm just rejecting existing claims. So as it sounds it, like it a modified to, agnostic uh, mm-hmm. to some extent. Well, I, I don't, I don't want to be overly semantic. I mean, the, the etymology of agno, agnostic comes from agnosis, which would mean without knowledge. So when you have people who say, I don't know, whereas an atheist would be atheos, meaning I, I believe that I'm without God. But see, like, the way I handle it is this. I don't go out and proselytize people, but, like, if, if someone comes to me, I think it was Mark who said if someone comes to him and starts talking to him about hell that's when he will engage. That's kind of my tactic also. But to, to go to um, why some atheists may proselytize, I think for those of us who either grew, uh, were, uh, never came to religion or people like me who came out, there's all of these competing, say, truth claims, and some atheists uh, want to participate in that dialogue and say, we think that we have... Um, looked at the evidence, weighed it, and come to a position, and we wish to share our position, too. There might be jerks out there, and I'm sure there are. I I don't try to be one. Uh, But I think that's why some atheists, they come to a position where they feel like they have an understanding, and they probably want to share it as much as anyone else. I totally understand Um, where you're coming from there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... um, but like I said, I think anyone who goes out and, and, and opens up a dialogue with a person of faith and says, hey, and kind of taps them on the shoulder and says, there is no God, I think that's presumptuous and, and, and just as painful as perhaps a Jehovah's Witness coming and knocking on your door. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of rude. Yeah, I've, I've brought uh, Jehovah's, uh, in one case, brought a Jehovah's Witness, actually uh, more than one case, talked to them about their beliefs and stuff. But I, I like to talk about this particular issue. Well, they came to I, you. I am facile and good at talking about the issue of religion. You're and, not and going knocking on doors. Poking yeah. uh, holes in people's uh, you know beliefs, if they believe in the Bible. Because I know a lot about that doctrine. Document. And, uh, you know, so if, if they if they come to me for whatever reason, boy, it is on. Yeah. Um, however, <laughs> yeah, going I, I've I have wanted to co- to start conversation. I'm sure I have start conversation with people about their religions that I should have just left alone. Why? Because I'm hurt by what it was, what it occurred to me in in the church and and through the belief system, and you know I somehow I think I can fix that pain by reliving it and finally getting to say the things that I should have said when I was six <laughs> or well, whatever, you know. Like here in Indianapolis, we've got some billboards coming up which are saying things like um, you don't need God in order to uh, to live and to love hmm. and and to be good and stuff like that. So that would be pushy atheism, I would think. Yeah, that would. Well, see, to me, I when I see that now, I I don't like I'm not actively involved with that movement, but to me, when I see that, to me, it just goes back to being sort of in. We're surrounded with various claims, and I just feel like maybe some of these atheists are saying, you know, we we feel like we have a perspective on reality too. Some of us, like I suffered really bad in Christianity, and so some of us may think if we're able to. Um, help people to stop suffering the way we suffered, then and 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 also help people to realize because I see myself as being a moral person, sure. um, and so I think it it may arise 
Uh, again, I'm not talking. I about think they're the- fully within their rights to do those things. You know, buy billboards and initiate conversations. Mm-hmm. I mean, b- by all means, you know, if that's what you feel your calling is, sort of like a religious calling. Yeah. Uh, if it that's is. what you feel your calling is, then that's what you should go and do. For me, uh, I'm not an atheist anymore, but I was, and if I were still today, I wouldn't be doing that because I know my time is limited, and I have uh, certain priorities in life for what I want to accomplish. And stopping people from aggressing against one another is much more important to me than changing somebody's religious uh, belief system. And so that's... I, I think there could be some atheists, though, who feel that the theistic position is a position of aggression, meaning if you don't come into this fold... You know, and then various threats will follow. You well, know, there are the certainly people who are theists who support aggression. I mean, mo- no doubt about that. A huge swath of people on this <laughs> earth yeah. uh, would qualify uh, to that statement. Um, however, it's the aggression that uh, that I, I would prefer to focus on rather than trying to get them to stop believing in whatever you know, little right. fairy tale. The, the whole idea of converting chosen. somebody's religious belief um, is a much bigger thing than talking to them about liberty. I, I think that this is the message that I've been trying to get across to people as far as uh, you know, people changing their opinions on political beliefs or you know that kind of thing. Is that liberty only means hey. Don't hit anybody, don't threaten anybody, don't shoot anybody over your beliefs. That's all liberty is. That's all that means. Whereas trying to get somebody on board with your religion, you know, you got to read this book and believe this way. And, you know, like there's a whole bunch of steps yeah. and a whole bunch yeah. of things people have to believe. Well, and in many cases, you can just stop hitting. Right. And in many cases, you can actually utilize the tenets of most religions to mm-hmm. sell the ideas of liberty as well. You don't have to convert any kind of religion in order to, to believe in the ideas of, of leaving people alone. Uh, that's a, a very pro-religion concept in that uh, people within religions are very welcome in the liberty movement of all sorts of religions. I mean, we've got Michelle Seven as our uh, normal Friday night co-host. She is a very devout Christian, and uh, yet we get along with her very, very well. I mean, it makes for some interesting conversations sometimes about uh, theology and such, Uh, but there's no animosity between us and her because, you know, we just have different belief systems, and that's okay because she's not trying to push her uh, religion on us, and she certainly would never force her religion on us. Yeah, I think for me, it was just debating religion. It requires so much time studying so many different facets of Mm. all the religions. And, you know, if you don't have every story memorized, every fact memorized, every nuance memorized, you know, you're going to fail in these conversations with these people. And even if you do know it all, you'll probably still fail because it's... They believe. Yeah, it's based on (laughs) faith. How can you... Disprove and, faith. And, and this is where I think where some atheists, I think I would fall in this category, would see uh, a dialogue with a theist as being a conversation about liberty, not necessarily, say, governmental liberty, but, say, liberty of mind. Because, like, for, to speaking of myself, when having, you know, read the Bible seven times and trying to, trying, or being made to feel that I have to order my life in a particular way, in a sense, I was under bondage. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Thanks for your thoughts tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Just enough time remaining for your thoughts in the remaining moments of Free Talk Live coming up here. 800-259-9231. You can, of course, take control of the airwaves. You don't have to talk about religion or atheism or etc. You can bring up anything. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. 
You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves even in these remaining moments. There is enough time for you and your thoughts at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Meg. And Mark. Uh, We continue here. We'll take your phone calls about anything, though religion seems to be the topic on the table at the moment. Coming up, though, the Porcupine Freedom Festival this summer, June 20th through the 26th. I just put on my list of goals uh, to review my camping uh, <laughs> list of things that I need because there were things that I figured out last year that I really should have brought and I didn't. And so I hopefully will learn my lesson. Uh, like, I don't know what you would call it, but besides like a butt pad, I know that <laughs> Sam lent, uh, your boyfriend at the time, C-pad. lent me his little pad, one of his little pad things to yeah. put my sleeping bag on because it sucks sleeping oh. uh, like right on the ground, the yeah. hard ground. And so yeah, an air mattress. You definitely yeah. need one of those because as beautiful as this place is, there's little tree trunks and branches yeah. <laughs> and stuff on every and, an air mattress. I mean, you know, and lots and lots that? of bug spray. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't an air mattress that he lent me. It was just kind of like a, a pad of some yeah. sort. Yeah. Anyway, get so an air mattress. You can get it at Walmart. So the camping is still was a lot of fun. Uh, Porkfest is a blast. You're around hundreds of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people, and it's cheap. I'm just camping. You're out in the woods. You're at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Uh, you'll be able to experience everything from the camaraderie that uh, we we're discussing there uh, with other like-minded, liberty-oriented people, plus live performances, musical uh, performances, family fun. Uh, Free Keen Karaoke is going to be happening, as well as Soapbox Idol, uh, lots of different stuff. In fact, there's a whole list of things. You can go to Porkfest.com to learn more about the event, P-O-R-C, as in Porcupine, Porkfest.com. It has something for everyone who loves freedom. So what are you waiting for? You can be a part of the premier freedom event of 2011, Porkfest.com. Use our discount code, Free Talk Live, as all one word. So take out any spaces. Just put the word Free Talk Live in there uh, for your discount code to save 20% on the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And by the way, Free Talk Live will be broadcasting live from Porkfest throughout the entire week. So looking forward to being there. Meg, you're going to be coming out and joining us. Oh, yeah. I presume you will be able to join us on the air at least once throughout the week. Oh, of course. All right, cool. I I may not be fully... Uh, <laughs> it is not there, required <laughs> for you to be fully there uh, to participate in Free Talk Live. It at, might make uh, it more fun. <laughs> exactly. No, no. If drunk people were interesting, bars would have stadium seating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I well, won't necessarily be drunk, but... Yeah. So let's continue with your phone calls. Christine is on the line in Colorado. Christine, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you. Very interesting conversation tonight. And I wanted to say, Meg, I've really appreciated a number of your comments in reply to some of the callers, especially the caller two callers ago. Um, I would like to share my experience with what I consider to be proselytizing or fundamentalist atheists that have been most disagreeable and I think is really hindering us as libertarians. And I speak from the perspective of someone who is both a Catholic and a libertarian. And I have found that, although I do not go around trying to proselytize my religion, that's an entirely personal thing, 
and it has nothing, and I certainly, as a libertarian, oppose the state. Christine, uh, I learned a new term tonight from one of our earlier callers. I'm curious. Are you a fallen Catholic, or are you a Catholic? I heard who- that caller, and um, I would not relate to his terminology. In fact, I was sort of listening to him and thinking, I wouldn't call him a fallen Catholic because he is probably, as I do, thinking for himself in regards and testing things such as the catechism and the teachings of the church against his own heart and what he feels, especially in terms of non-aggression. Um, I am, I, I've always thought it amusing why when it comes to Catholicism versus other Christian religions, there's either, a, um, you know, as he said, a fallen Catholic or a practicing Catholic. Are you Catholic? Are you practicing? When they don't designate that, you know, among the Protestants, but um, I take my spirituality very seriously, and I found that through a Catholic faith, especially the mysticism, has served me very well in my understanding. Um, but my experience with um, fundamentalist atheists, I would have to call them, is this. When I write and I speak, and I'm talking about liberty, I'm talking about the non-aggression principle, and I'm not bringing my religious beliefs into it, though people know that um, I do have a belief in God. And yet I have found, and I've also found that others in the libertarian movement or liberty movement who care about freedom, who are also Christian, none of us, um, at least those that I know, uh, make it a point to proselytize. You may not even know that unless you got to know us personally Mm -hmm. or if you read intensely our blogs. But on the other hand, when I am speaking or writing, I do much writing uh, about liberty and I'm focusing on the issues, I have found just because it's known that I am a Christian that I have had a number of what I consider fundamentalist atheists who are just as disagreeable as fundamentalist Christians Mm. contact me, not discussing the issue, but being very sarcastic, ridiculing, condescending to me because I have a belief in God. And I would never do the same to them. And I think that they are really doing a huge disservice to, to freedom, because why are they, they are making their atheism, their religion, if they want to throw that into a discussion that has nothing to do, it's not even um, discussion of God or beliefs, in which, in which case it would be appropriate, but they take almost any um, topic that they can in order to communicate their, what seems to be a hostility. Well, yeah, they're being divisive, mm-hmm. and they're being divisive in the wrong group, you know? They're, I mean, if they want to go pick a fight, well, there are plenty of people with which they can go pick a so fight. So there's two issues uh, involved in that. First off, there's the fact that uh, libertarian, the libertarian, the liberty movement is full of debatatarians, people that just want to argue for yeah, the sake of arguing. It, it's, it's a mental, you know, like, look, I'm smarter or more logical than mental you. Mental masturbation. Yeah, it's, it's Yeah, we need to focus on what we care about, which is liberty. And Mm -hmm. whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian or a Muslim or Jew, I mean, who cares? By the way, I don't see that happening here. Just point point of information, Christine. That's something that I would think happens more in the blog world and like the Mm -hmm. comments on a blog by these, you know, heroic libertarians that can hide behind their uh, computer keyboards. I never hear any kind of vitriol like that or very rarely would hear anything like that happening in real life. Life here well, in New Hampshire. For I instance. agree with you totally because face to face, it just they don't seem to do that. But I would I would advise them if they really do care, um, like all of us are, and we are devoted to the non-aggression principle. Put your atheism aside, just like a you know, if a Christian were making a point of Christianity, that has nothing to be in discussion in the liberty movement. You may bring it up when you're in like mind or you're sharing; it's a personal sharing. But when we're sure. simply talking about the issues. 
Um, I would advise him not to. And your caller, your last caller, I really appreciated him. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, people I know were deeply involved in working for liberty, and we have very differing in our spiritual beliefs. But that doesn't, that doesn't come into play. Sometimes we might have a good dialogue on that, but we do not debate it. And I would say leave that out of it because you're really hurting the cause. Look, good there's thoughts, very few of us out there, and we really need to bind together. Not no doubt. Us. That's why we're here in New Hampshire. I hope to see you out maybe at the, the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Are you planning on coming out? Uh, no, I've oh. thought about it. I've listened to you talk oh. about it. But when I want to go camping, I can go right out my door oh, and be see. up on the Rainbow Trail. Not with trail. hundreds of other libertarians, though. Talk to you later, Christine. <laughs> 800-259-9231. So, yeah, I think they even have a church at Porkfest, don't they? They do have the different meetings on Sunday yeah. mornings. The atheists have a meeting. The Christians have a meeting. The uh, gun nuts go shoot things. Yeah. <laughs> Quakers have had meetings. Uh, you know, I, I held a Quaker meeting there, too. And, uh, you know, what Christine's talking about there is something that uh, I've changed... I've changed my attitude on the show about is I'd when any chance I got, I'd bring up an article and I'd talk about, uh, you know, my feelings on religion, which is basically, uh, you know, I thought that the Christian faith was, uh, you know, silly and all that other stuff. And over time, people would point out and I just didn't listen. Uh, people would point out that they found they found this alienating or where they were uh, uh, scared that I was alienating other people to the ideas of liberty simply to my uh, religious beliefs. You know, I don't know whether that's true or not, but it's probably true. So I just decided, you know, um, it's 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 petty for me to to be harping on this. This is a personal issue of mine, and that's a personal issue of theirs. And I should just uh, you know leave it for something else. If somebody wants to ask me my question, ask me questions about what I believe, I'll tell them. But you know, I, you know the the vitriol, I can you yeah. can just leave aside. Let's go back to the phones and the fun. Talk to Michael, listening to WTAR in Norfolk, Virginia. Hello, Michael. Hello, and uh, the, the conversation has been fascinating. Thank you. Uh, just a, a quick point of uh, information. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible says that uh, there would be great famines for the Word of God, and what that means is this. There would be a lot of people talking for God who have no qualification to do so. That has always been the main problem from the real God's point of view. Too many preachers not qualified to preach. Don't you? Did it bother you that Jesus came, God came to Earth um, in uh, flesh, in the form of flesh, and he didn't bother to write anything down? I mean, if if he wanted to forestall some of this behavior, like maybe that would have been the way to go about it. Yeah, why does he have to be so mysterious and whatnot? Why can't he just come down here and say, "Look, I'm here"? <laughs> well, Socrates did the same thing, and it makes it. it Oh, it makes perfect. Sorry, the music makes, scared you a little bit there. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Tell you what, dude, call us tomorrow night if you want to expound upon this. We are fresh out of time for tonight. But there's always another episode of Free Talk Live coming back tomorrow. We'll see you then online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Don't forget to visit Meg online on her website at libertyflare.com. And uh, thanks, folks. Thank you. See you tomorrow night at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post. And I have with me today Joe Cordell. Joe, are you there? I'm here. 
Thank uh, you for having me on, Mark. Absolutely. Thank you for, very much for coming. And you are p- one of the principals of Cordell and Cordell, and that is a law firm that you have with your wife. And you guys apparently specialize in representing men in divorce. Yeah, well, we don't use the word specialized just because of the bar limitations. But, yeah, all we do is, is domestic relations, and uh, 98% of our clients are men. And apparently you guys are <laughs> the nation's largest law firm focusing on uh, men's uh, divorces? Well, we, we in fact may be the nation's largest law firm. Um, we have about 90 attorneys. Uh, so if if we're not the, the largest domestic relations law firm, we're certainly one of the largest domestic relations firms. So it kind of makes you an expert. Um, well, I have to be careful how I use that word in some <laughs> states. But yes. Gotcha. And you've written a book, and it's called The, the Ten Mistakes That uh, Guys Make When Getting a Divorce. I don't have it right here. Uh, Ten Most Common Missteps for, for Men Getting Divorce. Yeah, well, actually, the title, you're close. Uh, the Ten Stupidest Mistakes Men Make When Facing Divorce. Well, I, I guess that begs the question, what are the ten stupidest mistakes that men uh, face um, you know, during a divorce or could make during a divorce? Well, as you might imagine, there's a lot of competition to get it down to 10. I, I, guys guys do make a lot of mistakes in divorce. But uh, but what, what we did was we, we, as a group, our attorneys, we got together over time and we decided, you know, what are the mistakes guys make that if we had the opportunity to get to them in advance, that we think we could make a, a great difference in the outcome of their divorce in many cases at least. And um, and these made that list. And what's interesting about this list of items is that uh, these don't occur equally on both sides of the table. I mean, some have suggested, well, you know, aren't these really just mistakes that people make when they're going through divorce? And no, with a couple of exceptions, these are mistakes that are overwhelmingly made on just one side of the table, and that's and that's the guys. For example, um, moving out of the marital home. I mean, that's not something that wives do. I mean, if you were to poll 100 women who are divorced, they would not tell you that their husband told them uh, to leave the house, to move out, and they moved out. I mean, you will find in out of 100 people, maybe one. Whereas guys, I would venture to say that happens in as many as 50% of their divorces. And it's an amazing thing because these guys have, in many cases, paid for that house. And yet when the wife points toward the door and says, go, Almost like the family cocker spaniel, they they pack their bag, they're gone, and then they only consult a lawyer maybe the next day, but more likely weeks or months later. Right. Well, I, I, it seems to me what my experience is with uh, guys that are getting divorces is that most of the times, most of the mistakes that they um, that they make seem to be, or at least. Most of the things I see them doing is they're trying to do the right thing throughout uh, the proceedings. They're trying to to be fair and you know do the right thing. Does this does this hurt them? Yeah, it's it's interesting how that works. I mean, contrary to to uh, the popular press, guys for the most part still um, try to to live by this standard of honor and and even chivalry that that in some respects is is long dead. But uh, but there's no there's no reward for that in this world. Maybe in heaven, but not in this world. And and so these guys are often more accommodating than they should be in settlement agreements because they believe that either 
their wife will think better of them and maybe she'll come back someday. In other words, they'll save the marriage that way. Or they think that, um, that perhaps their wife will be more helpful to them, more cooperative after the divorce. Then this is where children are involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they, they think maybe it's just the right thing to do for me to offer to pay uh, more child support than I should pay, to offer to pay more maintenance than I should, to give her a larger chunk of marital assets than the law would require. Uh, and I, I can tell you there's just no, there's no appreciation for that at the end of the day. And, um, and guys often regret doing those things, but it's, it's very difficult to, to correct that after the deal's done. Now, I, I suppose that there is the odd divorce ex-wife out there that does appreciate how a guy, um, you know, is, you know, acts during the divorce proceedings, but certainly the courts don't give a fly and flip at a rolling donut what a guy, um, you know, if he decides to give up extra. Is there some kind of, do courts have like built-in advantages for women? For the most part, uh, the family court system is one that favors women over men, and that's, that's generally speaking. Uh, there are exceptions, of course. There are some, some court systems that I think are very fair and very good. Uh, but, but if we were to make a general statement, then there's no question that, that women going into a divorce, quite frankly, uh, they've, they've talked to friends and they've talked to, to others that they've known who've gotten divorced and what they've seen on television, and they have this Christmas wish list. Uh, which they expect to get, you know, to be able to check those items off the list. And in in some cases, certainly they do. And then guys, by contrast, having talked to to their friends and coworkers and others, you know, they know that this divorce is is going to be something that's going to be a grueling experience, and and they're probably going to to come out with much less than they they think they should. Uh, So even men and women going into divorces have different perceptions about how the system's going to treat them. So how is it that, um, you know, what, the, how is it that the attitude that a guy takes uh, going into this can be a dangerous thing for him? Well, um, guys, uh, guys can, can make mistakes in terms of their perspective in a number of ways in divorce. Uh, one is that they have the, the notion that, look, uh, this is going to be unpleasant, whatever happens, and I need to just lower my head and suffer through it, and then hope that at the end of the day I still have my shirt. And I think that's a mistake, because if they take that passive of a position, then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, to the extent that guys are willing to be a little more aggressive, a little more assertive, a little smarter, uh, then I think that they can come out quite well in divorce cases, and in some cases achieve all their goals. You know, I mean, Um, go ahead. I was just going to say that but they, they need to be willing, though, to swim upstream, and that means um, you know, selecting a lawyer that's not going to have that sort of um, surrendering mindset. Uh, and, and similarly, they have to be willing to play their part, and they have responsibilities as a participant in the process. Well, how does one find that lawyer that's not going to have that uh, mindset? Because surely many uh, family law lawyers have dealt with situations where their, you know, <laughs> their minds could be just as uh, warped by the family law proceedings as guys are, are in general. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not easy to find a person that you feel comfortable with in that way. Uh, what I suggest to clients in my book is that they... First of all, they narrow their search to attorneys who are just practicing domestic relations. That's step number one. Okay. And that, that is a huge step forward. I can tell you a lot of guys figure, 
look, um, you know, a lawyer is capable of practicing in a variety of areas, and they've certainly done some divorce. So I think that this person who is a friend of mine or who goes to my church or who my relative suggested I see should be the one I have handle it. So, uh, so step number one is, is choose somebody who just does domestic relations. Step number two is when they meet with this person, um, for them to talk to them about how many cases they've tried in the past 12 months. I can tell you that there are a lot of lawyers out there, even lawyers who are just doing domestic relations, who have this either a morbid fear of trying cases or they just lack the, the motivation to expend the effort that it takes to try cases. And trying cases is, it's a lot of effort, and it requires a, a lot more focus and attention than just walking files through the courthouse and, and negotiating in the hallway and, and chatting in judges' chambers. Um, so you're wanting a lawyer who is willing to try cases, who likes to try cases, and presumably along with that comes the reputation that this is somebody who um, who will try a case if they're not given a reasonable offer. Now, uh, so that's important. And then, then finally, the, the last thing I would mention is that uh, this law, lawyer has to recognize the importance of including his or her client in the process, meaning, uh, remember, the client is the expert on the facts. The attorney's expert on the law, but on the facts, the client is the expert. And, and if the two don't work together, then the, there's not going to be the quality of case there should be. Now you said to um, you know to find out how many cases the uh, lawyer has tried in the last uh, twelve months, and it would seem like there wouldn't. I mean, the answer for most lawyers it would seem like would be very few. Um, you know, a handful at best, and probably one. Um, even for uh, you know most of them, it would seem like most family law lawyers who are dealing with middle class folks are likely going to settle. Um, you know, what the, the settle, settling's likely what most people want during their divorce rather than a, a trial. And that I would seem to me that trials are basically over lots of assets which come with, you know, wealthier people. Um, I mean, what ex, what answer does one expect when one says, how many cases have you tried in the last 12 months? Well, there's a lot that, that was included in your point. Yeah. And I don't and I'm not quick to, to disagree at all with, with some of the points you were making there. Um it is expensive to litigate, um, but but I can tell you that that a, a determination to resolve a divorce by settlement means that the guys typically end up with an unfavorable outcome. Yeah, uh, that's the problem about the mediation process is it imposes something in effect on the parties, though it doesn't purport to do that. That in effect is what happens often, and I can tell you that there's a difference between a settlement agreement that is signed voluntarily and one that's signed at the point of a gun. And it's more likely the latter scenario whenever guys are agreeing to deals in which they're seeing much less of their children than they, they, they should or perhaps they could when they're paying more child support than they could possibly pay. A variety of things that, that maybe if the judge had had his or her attention brought to this and it had been presented property, properly, there might have been a, a more reasonable outcome. As to the cost, um, I mean, lots of middle-class people wage wage uh, custody battles yeah. uh, because we know a number of them are our clients. Um, and and remember that that the objective is not to try a case if you can avoid trying it, and no one should try a case if, after doing a cost-benefit analysis, uh, it doesn't make sense. 
Now, I realize it's hard to do that sort of analysis when you're talking about custody. I mean, I grant, and yeah. I understand that, that, that it doesn't lend itself to that. But for all other matters in divorce, you can do the math. And, and I completely agree. If the math doesn't shape up, then, then a guy has to recognize that it's better to, to settle the case. As to custody disputes, a guy has to decide what he's willing to spend to enlarge his role in his children's lives. At all turns, let me say this, a good lawyer will give their client honest feedback about their possibilities or probabilities of success. Armed with that information, I think guys can make much better decisions. What happens on the ground in the real world is that guys are brought into the courthouse, they sit out in the hallway, the, the attorneys go back in chambers or in the courtroom, they visit with the judge informally, the attorney comes out in the hallway, tells the client that, look, this is what's going to happen. You know, that you don't have any choice here. I wish I could do better for you, but this is where you are. I suggest you go ahead and settle. And and so guys walk away from that wondering whether or not that was true. I mean, did the attorney expend the efforts that he or she should have? Uh, what, what if I'd had the chance to present my case to the court? What would have been the outcome? And we don't know. Uh, I don't know in a given case, but I can say generally those are not the best deals that were possible. Now, I would uh, certainly, I, I entirely agree with you, Joe. Um, when it, you know, when you're talking about the the kid or the kids, that you know, that's the the tempting, that's the thing to spend the money on. I, I've got it, but do. I mean, when whether people spend the money, don't guys really just get, um, you know, the weekend, you know, the weekend and one, you know, or whatever it is. I mean, usually there's this, there seems to be this cookie cutter result that happens um, all the time that the women get the kids, the guy gets what every other weekend or every weekend, and then maybe someday during the week that they spend over or something like that. That it's uh, that that you spend a great deal in order to get, you know, pretty much the same thing that everybody else gets. Um. That that could be what happens. Meaning, you're right. It could be that the that the guy spends, you know, uh, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and and maybe he doesn't have but an additional night a week mm-hmm. um, or several several nights a month. Um, yeah, you know, I would be reluctant to to encourage a guy to go into battle for that as a as a war goal or a war aim. Uh, so you and I agree. Now, I will tell you that I've had clients I've represented who felt that it was. It was worth it to have that those that additional time, but but the whole idea though is to pull back and ask: um, it, Number one, is the guy a candidate for primary custody? Is he a candidate to occupy the position that that you're assuming and what you did just described would be occupied by the wife? Well, well, what are the what are the chances for the client to be in that position? And and that that requires ignoring for a moment that he's male and looking at the historical role that the parties played in parenting, et cetera, look at their schedules going forward, consider all those factors that influence the outcome of divorce in this sort of, from this gender-blind perspective, and only last do you say, well, maybe I have a judge who's, who's not inclined to, to consider this fairly. Um, and then maybe that's the case where it's just a matter of presenting the evidence to the judge and expending the time and the effort to do that, uh, that, that the judge is willing to do something different. So, uh, so you and I, I don't think we disagree. I just think that, that, that we have to recognize in today's world, a lot of guys come into the court sitting as well as the wife in terms of all the objective factors. They've both been working. Uh, they, they both have demands on their time, et cetera. 
Well, you know, I I guess the the sort of the 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 attitude out, out there among men is is that it, unless the ex is a you know paraplegic um, you know psychotic heroin snorting hooker that you're gonna that she's gonna get custody. I mean, like that's I, you know that that's sort of the way you hear it uh, just sitting on this side of the fence. I don't know what the the realities are. Yeah, you're, you're right. That that uh, that uh, what is it? Stereotype persists, but um, but for the most part, I can say that generally jurisdictions are not that bad, and generally jurisdictions will set up a notice if you take the time to present the evidence. Uh, but but if if an attorney decides that they that attorney is just going to go through the motions of carrying the file around, going to the court appearances that are required, and then in, in sufficient time before trial, uh, participating in settlement discussions so that the whole case is resolved. Um, you know, you're right. You're going to get the status quo when it's handled that way. The only hopes that guys have in many jurisdictions is to be assertive, is to litigate, and, and they should only do that, though, if there's a prospect of success. It shouldn't be just a blind decision that guys are going to, to go in and litigate for primary custody. Um, I mean, that, as you pointed out, that can be irrational. You can spend a lot of money and not get where you want to be. Uh, you should, guys should only litigate when an attorney who's familiar with what's possible um, tells them what their chances are. And it makes sense. Now, Joseph Cordell, you had mentioned previously that the the number one mistake, and I don't want you to give away all the uh, the, the the meat of your book here, uh, the, the the ten stupidest mistakes men make when facing divorce. But you said the number one mistake was moving out. And how is a guy supposed to avoid moving out when you're dealing with a shrieking harpy and you don't know what else to do? I mean, isn't that the 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 thing the thing to do? Well, uh, it depends on what the guy's goals are. Um, there are occasions when it's not uh, when it's it's okay for the guy to move out, but in many cases it's not a good idea. In the scenario you and I've just been talking about relating to custody goals, uh, that's the most common scenario when guys should stay in the house so that they can continue co-parenting, which of course they can't when they move out and leave the children in the exclusive custody of mom there in the house. Um, I think that that one of the things that that guys certainly have to pause to consider is. You know what's going to happen if the parties end up in some sort of confrontation, or what's the possibility that that's going to happen? Uh, orders of protection now are this sort of nuclear threat that hovers over guys. Uh, for the most part, it's a weapon that exists only on the wife's side of the table, not on the the guys. And and there's a lot of temptation for wives to use it, uh, even if that means fabricating from whole cloth an allegation of some sort of domestic violence. Uh, but but the nuclear weapon relates to allegations of of uh, abuse or threats of abuse. Uh, the, what what the order that they get in various jurisdictions are termed orders of protection, restraining orders, domestic abuse orders. Uh, but but the bottom line is that all of them have a dramatic impact. Certainly can and on on the divorce itself. Many statutes require that it be considered in the determination of custody. Often it can literally sink the boat of a guy who would otherwise have a good shot at custody, a finding that he's guilty of such a thing. So it's a, it's a, a grave concern that we don't blithely uh, ignore, 
And I think that, that guys have to think that through with the counsel of their attorneys to decide how they're going to deal with that. Um, it, it doesn't mean that guys simply flee because of the threat of that. It just means that guys have to be very, very careful to avoid even the appearance of, of, of any such allegation. Now, um, you know, obviously there are situations where uh, women tell lies uh, in order to get, uh, you know, a superior position um, during negotiation. What should guys, what should their attitude be towards the truth when dealing with these situations? Uh, well, you mean in terms of this threat? I don't know. I mean, you know, like it's um, if I guess, um, you know, if so, you know, there's the scenario where she doesn't tell a lie. And then there's the scenario where she does tell a lie. Do you, uh, you know, <laughs> do you uh, tell the lie first? Do you if she tells a lie, do you tell a lie in response? I mean, to me, none of these things seem like a good idea. Telling lies never seems like a good idea, but nor does it seem like a good idea to get. Um, you know, to, to, to get treated poorly in the proceedings because she gets to tell all the all the lies. Well, um, it, first of all, if it, it's not an option for guys to tell that lie because they'd have no credibility. But um, as, as I understand it, fifty percent of the domestic ca- calls are actually, um, you know, w- they include women hitting men. Uh, yeah, but I can tell you, in divorce courts across America, I don't know that that's true. It may be, but I can tell you what happens in reality in courtrooms across America. That's that when guys go in complaining that they're victims of domestic violence, uh, it gets nowhere near the level of attention nor the level of credibility that are given similar complaints by women. I mean, that's just a a fact of life. And so as a practical matter, there is no option for the guys uh, to lie, and nor would I uh, allow a client to lie, uh, at least with my representing them. Um, but, but furthermore, let me say that, that you know, it's not something that, that guys need to think in terms of, of manipulating the court that way. If guys can, can simply carefully dot their I's and cross their T's, uh, do the things that are necessary to protect them from, from there being any elements of truth in a claim that's made like that. Um, it, if, if the wife is in a position where she will have to manufacture from whole cloth her allegation, that substantially reduces the chances that it's going to be found. Now, it, it doesn't eliminate it, but it reduces it. Now, the, the guys, most of them who've had such orders against them, if you talk to them very precisely and you question them closely, they'll concede that, yeah, well, there was this incident or there was this or that where maybe they raised their voice. Maybe there was a pushing match where they both shoved. Uh, but, but usually there's some, some thin reed on which the wife builds her case. Well, what, what we tell clients is let's not provide your wife with anything but the need, if she's going to make that claim, to, to completely fabricate it. And then we have a better shot at disproving it in a, in a litigation hearing before the court. I'd and say that, that. that's an issue. Go ahead. I'd say that's absolutely true. Um, Joseph, I have one more question. I've really got to uh, I've, I've got to get ready to go to um, the other show here. But I, I have one more question. Guys will often say, you know, well, that relationship's done. I, I'm going to move on. I'm going to, you know, Match.com had a great ad on and I'm going to put a profile on there before they're even, you know, before the, the, the you know, they've even gone to, to divorce court or anything like that. What do you what is your advice to them in those circumstances? Um. Well, you know, the, the, the technical answer is that um, in the vast majority of states, 
there is no penalty for being the person who decides to move on. And there's not even a penalty for adultery unless it impacts the marriage in some tangible way, such as dissipation of assets or tying in with custody, for example. Uh, that's the technical answer. The practical, the practical answer, though, it says that, look, um, we want our clients' hands to be clean. Uh, we think that, that it, it's, it helps the client and the court to the extent that they've not been chasing other spouses it, or, or uh, other people outside the marriage. I think that it's just a problem that you have to deal with in depositions and at trial that doesn't do anything to help your image in the judge's mind. Yeah, nobody likes a cheater, and uh, that includes ju- uh, divorce court's judges. <laughs> That's right. And that's how it's perceived, whether it's true or not. Um, that, thanks very much. Joseph Cordell, uh, The 10 Stupidest Mistakes Men Make When Facing Divorce. Thank you very much for having me on. And now it's time for Letty's Easter Countdown, the part of the radio show where Letty comes out and counts down. Only 12 days till Easter. I gave up dust bunnies for Lent. I'll be here all week. This has been Larry's Easter Countdown. Tune in tomorrow for another Easter message. Veggie Tales presents Twas the Night Before Easter. Get ready to celebrate the season and discover what helping others is really all about. I've been working on an Easter-themed musical. Up with bunnies. We need a star. Cassie Cassava. She's big time. It's an all-new Easter adventure full of bunnies, music, and love. Featuring American Idol finalist Melinda Doolittle as Cassie. Helping one another. Veggie Tales Twas the Night Before Easter. Available at Walmart, Family Christian Stores, and retailers everywhere. Own it today on DVD.